Hello everybody, this is Stephen Hesse from the Medley Sound radio show slash podcast. Um, just to let you know that the uh, recording for some bizarre reason didn't start till about five minutes into this radio show that's on 12 till 2pm every second Friday on Space FM. Um, so I'm just letting you know here before in post-production um, that all we talked about essentially was to welcome people to the show. So we're going to play a quick song now and then when you come back you'll hear me and Ricky in mid-conversation talking about basically how we are so you've missed the first five minutes. But you're listening anyway to the Mentally Sound podcast edition of the Mentally Sound radio show. Hope you enjoy it. A man learns who is there for him when the glitter fades and the walls won't hold. Cause from that rubble, what remains can only be what's true. If all was lost, there's more I gained. Cause it led me back. you from now on these eyes will not be blinded by the light from now on once waited till tomorrow starts tonight tonight let this promise in me start like an anthem in my heart from now on from now on I drink champagne with kings and queens Politicians praise my name. The tolls of someone else's dreams. The pitfalls of the man I became. For years and years, I chased their cheers. A crazy speed of always needing more. But when I stop and see you here, I
Those haven't been too uh, fantastic uh, over the last few days, but Mum's making good progress, and, and I think that sort of uh, boosts everyone. It's given me a boost. Um, she's had a knee knee replacement, and she's actually having her clippings taken up this afternoon, mm-hmm. which where I'll be going to. Oh, that's uh, good. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's been the most dominant. I mean, anything, everything else has just been, you know, I've took time off work and everything, so this is my life at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. And as I said to you on the last show, that my respect for carers is, is it was already at a high, but it's increased tenfold because for, for people to do that as a full-time thing, and especially for younger people mm-hmm. who have to sacrifice uh, um, things like, you know, social life, education, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, my, uh, my heart goes out to you guys. I think you guys are, you guys are amazing. Um, Absolutely, yeah. Um, so, how is your how is your mom doing? She's doing all right. Um, do you know what it is? The in my sort of because I've cared before with with my father, although that was more of a palliative care thing. Uh, in this role that I have now, I find that my biggest thing is actually um, not so much the physio aspect or making the meals or making sure the meds are, are, are taken on time, but it's actually a, more of a mental thing where. Because my mum, in a way, and and I, and I get this because I can be quite like this, is that when you're overwhelmed by pain or, as we know in mental health, you know, bad thoughts and so on, yeah, it can sort of influence your outlook, so you become pessimistic. And my mum can be quite pessimistic. Yeah. When really she's doing quite really well. The physio, uh, her care workers, social workers that have come in and seen her have been kind of impressed by her uh, um, progress. But my mum, being mum, she'll she'll slump back in in the sofa and just say, oh no, this is not going well, but. So my biggest thing is actually just to snap her and make her look more the the positive aspects rather the negatives, you know. It's funny. Um, I'm I'm so glad you brought that up because that was something I was going to say. Similar with yours. Yeah, because um, I had a very very nice chat with my sister. Mm-hmm. Um, because my sister, she was, I mean, I'm not saying this to you know, but look at me, I'm so awesome or anything like that. Is that what my uh, sister said to me? Like, you know how how helpful I've been in my mum's situation because of certain situations you know my sister's talked to me about and I've gave her advice on like what I think is the best way of handling certain things because my mum I'm I'm pleased to say from a mental health standpoint my mum's getting better Um, she's not as confused and as depressed as she was last like in for example last month show and but the thing that i talked to my sister about which i think is great advice for people listening to this so people who have got somebody dealing with depression he has some examples of what i i I say to deal with my mom's situation um which uh, again i i give huge admiration to my mom because she's very open about letting us talk about this i did ask her if it was okay to talk about because again that's something that's important to to ask is that you don't just assume it's okay to talk about another person's situation um but yeah so uh, for example my mom is very much like because you'll understand this we've talked about this on on, on the show before and um, depressed people want to find easy ways out mm-hmm. um so they want you to do everything the problem with that is finding the balance between caring with someone with depression and literally taking over a person's depression because i think that's what leads to people saying that it's overwhelming mm-hmm. and so you 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 find yourself falling into the trap of just going i'll do that i'll do that i'll do that yeah. when it's not about doing everything for them and then hoping they'll get better because that actually uh, exasperates the problem mm-hmm. the the solution is actually to find out when to be sort of cruel to be kind yeah. um, and that's the hard part because I think for experience I kind of can in around in a maybe in a subconscious way 
I just know the right time to push my mom to go, no, that's not acceptable. Mm-hmm. You know, because she'll do stuff like, I can give you a very silly example, right? And this okay. drove me crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, re- you know, because someone listening to this might go, wow, Stephen, you're very, you're very harsh to your mom, who's <laughs> 72. But this is an example I'll, 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 I'll share. My mom has been going to the RVI to get her finger sorted because uh, I think I mentioned this on some show that she broke her finger mm-hmm. and she fell in the house, uh, slipped on some water and um, and bashed her middle finger in. Mm-hmm. So she's been going to the RVI every week since then to get it seen and reset because it was quite a bad break. Mm-hmm. Um, so while we've been doing that, whenever she would be in a depressed mood going to the hospital with me, she'd go, so when are you sorting a wheelchair out for me? <laughs> And I went, Mom, you broke your finger. Yeah. <laughs> and she'd go, but I'm like, and he had, and this is what a depressed person does. They come up with a million different examples of why it's uh, what I'm. I'm a horrible person. So my mom went, but um, I'm 72. Yes, yeah. but that's irrelevant. Yeah. Uh, and, and I know people are going to go, it's not irrelevant, but it, it is relatively speaking because it's all about what cap- capable a depressed person thinks has feels like they're not capable. But a job as a support in a person with depression is to remind them that they are. So in this scenario, it's like my mom kept going, You're, you know, I'm 72, I've got Parkinson's. And I went, there was one example, which I, told, I think I told you this privately. Is my mom, I went over to my mom's and my mom was in the chair and she goes, look, I can't walk. She then stood up yes. from the chair, walked straight to the kitchen the same, yeah. like normal yeah. Yeah. and went, look, I'm almost fallen. Yeah. And I went, mom, with all due respect, that's nonsense. Yeah. Like, um, and I, I, I said a different my word, but I said a different word, but we're on the radio. Yeah. But I went, um, but yeah, so I, I uh, yeah. And I my mum's on walking sticks now. And this, yeah. this is an example of her progress. She's on sticks now, so she's ditched the crutches, or she uses that to for the stairs <laughs> and upstairs. Yeah. But she, I don't know if it's like a streak of arrogance. She would like walk to the kitchen without it unaided. Yeah. And it's like, and then yet she'll come back down and she will like sort of moan and complain. But and do you not think that's a, that's a good example? Because what I was leading to is that it's 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 letting them do something when they're able to, yeah. and then when they're not able to not doing it for them mm-hmm. but reminding them of that they can do it Absolutely, yeah. and that's the thing I think in a nutshell was yeah. people who support depression yeah. don't understand because it goes against mm-hmm. I think the remit of what you would do yeah. if you were helping a friend mm-hmm. because if a friend was like say for example you or Kaylee or something uh, was um, was upset now or you know, I don't know. Like uh, they told, told me that I had a, told you told me that you had a problem privately, or you were struggling or something. Yeah. The natural thing for a human being to do is to support them by like, going, what do you need? What can I help you with? What can I do?" But the pr- real issue, because people feel guilty about doing it this way, and it's not guilty. It's actually the cruel to be kind. Like mm-hmm. it's going to help them in the long yeah, term. Absolutely. Is don't do that for a depressed person because you have to. Uh, but I always make a little asterisk of if they're like you know crying and overwhelmed and feel awful, that's when you help, you know. But but when a person moans like my mom does, like cause that's what a depressed person does, and I'm and I'm saying I was I was really not nice when I, I mean I'm sure you can say the same thing when you're really in the dark uh, feelings of depression, mm-hmm. you ask for so much help. And I was not nice in that period of time, yeah, and my okay. sister looked after me and did everything <coughs> for me. And you know, it can, it, it's it's not so. Basically, in a nutshell, it's not dismissing how they feel because that's the important part, mm-hmm. and that's 
like understanding their situation but not exasperating that feeling and making it linger more than it should that's the real I mean the other thing is it's like um, again when when you're dealing with someone and my mum has you know she's she's on antidepressants as well she has a backlog of uh, mental health issues um, dating back to uh, PND postnatal depression but it, it, again, it's 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 when they focus on on the negatives too much, and uh, it's like uh, you know another little funny story. Like a few days ago, I took her out walk, walking along the backyard, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, she was like saying, "Oh no, it's way too soon. I shouldn't be walking. Why you drag me outside? And I can't do this." And I says, "Mum, I'll guarantee you that when we see the physio tomorrow." He'll be telling you walk outside as much mm-hmm. weather permitting. Walk outside. Yeah. Next day came we saw the physio. He said the exact same thing. <laughs> it's not me being like big headed or anything, no, but I no, said, no. "Mum, I told you. See, I told you so." Mm-hmm. Because they do, you know, they do look at the the negative more than the positive. Mm-hmm. All the care workers, all the social workers have said, the more you focus on the negativity, the more you're going to be overwhelmed by the physical pain. Mm. So you know being distracted and, and having trying to have a laugh trying to be positive yeah um will help in the long yeah. run you know it, it, another really important thing on the on the back of that because that's mm. that's a very that's a really good example and observation is not to dismiss that in the sense of like it's again understanding why they say that because yeah. it's basically like what I'm saying is don't don't get upset at the individual who feels that way because that's really important as well and I think that's why I've dealt with my mom's situation probably yeah. better than my sister has mm-hmm. because my sister's like what do I do how do I help and I'm like it's not about you know because I, I got that a lot when I was ill is that they go what do you expect from me and I'm like you really ultimately expect them to just care about you that's really it and when you say something as ridiculous as what we've just described um, so if it's all this like excuses of like I can't do this I can't do that it's calling them out on it yeah. because if you don't call them out on it it's basically the depression um, reinforcing their feelings so like um, I can give you an example of like what I, I told our auntie this because my auntie stayed over over Christmas mm-hmm. and the problem because you, you said it perfectly you know the good the, when they're feeling good reinforce that reinforce that they can do something yeah. so like it, like for example my mum like because that's preaching to the converted here missing meals um, that's something I've been doing recently that I bought the difference is because I'm through my experience I'm like actively getting annoyed at myself and going it's your fault you're feeling this way because you're not doing something about it so that's powerful because that actually helps me through my situation so with my mom with my mom I've been saying to my sister um, when she feels good and says, I think I'm going to make some food, mm-hmm. just let her do it. Mm-hmm. Let her do it because that whatever time it is or whatever it is, if it's not ideal timing or whatever, still let her do it because at that moment in time, she has the energy and desire to do it and then it'll get better and better and stronger because the problem is, is that if you coddle somebody and go, like, I'm going to make you meals, like, every day and they they start to expect that they start to expect you to do that all the time and a depressed person just gives up they go well i can't do that anymore because look this person's making like doing this to me every day so it's really really important to get that balance right like i said if they're literally struggling to get out of bed and they're feeling awful it's obviously down to circumstance so this is a difficult thing to be a stereotype because i don't want it to be a stereotype but it's a double-edged sword isn't it because on the one hand you 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 are frustrated that like I say, in my experience, that you want them to see how well they're doing and you mm. can get out of this. But on the other side, I do get where they're coming from because if I was in that situation, given given my history and my state of mind at times, mm. I, 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 it's most likely I'd be in the same position. 
I've been renowned to focus on the negative too much Absolutely, rather than positive, yeah. so mm-hmm. I totally get where they're coming from. Yep, no indeed, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult, difficult situation. I mean, I never even got a chance to talk about it, because we're obviously just doing an intro and then we're going to take a break, and then Laura's uh, going to come on um, from Brighton for Wellbeing. Um, but yeah, so one of the things that I wanted to talk about as well, because this is since the last time we spoke yeah. on the main show, not the yeah. special we did, mm-hmm. is just that the social, uh, social workers is, mm-hmm. is something that I've done and how difficult it's been. Like the, the, well, the, we had to jump know. through a hell of a lot of hoops to get yeah. the, the aftercare we've got now. Well, I was saying to Kaylee uh, in the pre sort of uh, meeting each other before the show is that like um, since I was last on the air mm-hmm. um, the social workers that I'm part of uh, which is what we got them in to do to mm-hmm. sort my mum's medication out mm-hmm. turned around and said we're not going to do it mm-hmm. <laughs> and I went so we spent three weeks of me preparing to pass over the <coughs> reins of me doing my mum's medication mm-hmm. and they turned around and said we can't do that and I'm like we sat down with a social worker three weeks ago and said, this is what we want. Mm-hmm. And then they did a care plan that didn't have anything that we said in it right. uh, virtually. Right. Um, so that that's obviously very, very frustrating. Mm-hmm. So I had a long conversation with my sister last night of going, what do we do? And it seems like the ob- approach, which, you know, reinforces, I don't want this to be a sweeping comment, but like... Um, it reinforces to me how much councils and that are just totally struggling, and they they can't do what you ask With them the to cuts, do. Cuts yeah. Everything, yeah, and, yeah. and, and well, but also, I mean, the, in my mum's case, the social worker who was involved in her case yeah. was incompetent. <laughs> you know, I'm not really going to name names, but she just was. So are you guys are um, another like crossroads now. Yes, um, we're back to square one. Yeah, um, right. But as I'm saying, I'm trying to look at the positives, yeah. which is what this whole conversation's been about, yeah. is to say, mental health wise, um, my mum's in a better place, because I think because I've been with my sister and a little bit my brother. Has she gone to counselling? Is that something you're still trying to... Well, can you remind me to bring that up again? Because okay. she stopped going. I'll make a um, uh, So we'll, uh, we'll make sure that... Uh, that's an interesting conversation, okay. yes. Because I'm, I'm wondering what you think about that, actually. No problem. Um, but anyway, that's a perfect segue. So as we said, uh, this is Mentally Sound on Spice FM 98.8 FM. If you want to contact us, you can at at underscore Mentally Sound on the tweets. I'm at geek underscore apocalypse. Um, Ricky is at vivid Ricky. Um, you can also uh, contact Spice, which is uh, studio at spicefm.co.uk for email. It's at spicefm mm-hmm. on the tweets. Mm-hmm. And if you want to obviously listen to this over the interwebs, you can at spicefm.co.uk. And uh, if you click the listen live, I think, on the top right, yeah. is how you uh, can listen to us through mm-hmm. the interwebs, which mm-hmm. is kind of cool. Right, we're going to take a short break now. We're going to play the Bangles Walk Like an Egyptian, which um, I was humming that on the way here, which is a bit weird. Um, I was I watching a program about the 80s last night, and they were talking about the Bangles. Oh, right? I love the Bangles. Yeah. They've got quite a lot of um, stuff on this database of bangles so that's kind of cool um, so yeah so we're going to play some ads obviously because we're at the half hour mark and then we're going to play a walk like an Egyptian and then we'll be back with Laura in the studio from Writing for Wellbeing so we'll be right back after these messages 24 hours a day 7 days a week Spice FM 98.8 FM Welcome to your community announcement answer machine to broadcast your community announcement on Spice FM free of charge, call 0191273988. Select option 3 and record your message. No more messages. Spice FM 98.8 FM. Oh, 
Hello everybody and welcome back to Mentally Sound right here on Spice FM 98.8 FM. I'm, I'm your host Stephen and uh, this is the Mental Health Show obviously if this is your first time listening and we're hugely grateful to have you guys uh, on the listening if it's your first time listening obviously because we're here every Friday, uh, second Friday 12 till 2pm. Um, so obviously as, as if you missed the disclaimer at the beginning we talk about mental health and stuff so obviously if we talk about taboo subjects that's obviously what we're here to talk about. Um, and uh, we have a guest who's been on the show a couple of times, uh, which is kind of cool. Um, so we're really excited, and we were just kind of joking uh, while we were playing "Walk Like an Egyptian" by the Bangles of like, of like, what are we going to talk about? Because <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've we've talked about so much. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of obviously uh, going to be fun. But um, obviously, welcome Lauren Apron. Hello. Hello. Nice to be back with you guys again. You sound v- you've got such a nice uh, radio voice. <laughs> oh, good. Thank you. Yeah. New career for me. <laughs> yeah. So I guess. I mean, in a polite sense, because my mum brought me up the right way, I guess the most obvious thing to ask you first is just how have you been since we last saw you? I have been excellent. I've mm-hmm. been away in Costa Rica doing conservation work with giant leatherback sea turtles, as one does. Wow. So, yeah, yeah, I did brilliant. not see that one coming. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you didn't, because when when I emailed her to book her on the show, oh, yeah. um, she told me she was in Costa Rica, mm-hmm. and I had no idea why, and I was so curious. So, like, so was that, is that, like, 
why? Um, <laughs> yes, well, it, it's, it's part of the uh, oh. the Earth Watch expeditions where oh. they have volunteers go and actually do participation in conservation projects. And we uh, patrolled this beach for six hours every night in the dark, waiting for turtles to come in and nest. And then while they were nesting, we I would get under them with a plastic bag and catch all their eggs. The the turtles are absolutely in a trance. They don't know you're there. And we take them up to the hatchery and guard the eggs until they hatch. Mm-hmm. And here's us wondering what we'd talk about the next 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> turtles, turtles. It's nothing to do with writing. <laughs> and you've got turtles, which is quite interesting, yeah. Because, I, I mean, I, I thought, like, because I was wondering if it was something to do with your well-being, with your well-being um you know, w- research or something, or you were taking a break for holiday or something. It was, like, a, was, a, it was a working book, holiday, yeah. and yeah. it was good for my own well-being, certainly, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, sorry if you heard some st- random stuff in the background. That was quite rude. <laughs> like, um, because apparently, just I'll fill the listeners in about what just happened yeah. there, is apparently there's a leak in the building in the Beacon Centre where we record this, where Spice mm-hmm. FM studios are, and apparently there's some sort of leak. So um, some cleaners came in, or the, the maintenance people, and just decided to interrupt the show. And not like, can we come in? It was just like, hi, we're just going to interrupt the show. And he had keys in the background. I mean, they could just um, have whispered or anything, yeah. couldn't they? But uh, no. Well, I, I was very close to just very rudely going, go away like yeah. a, in a in a like you know oh, but they have gone yes they've gone now thank god i thought like you just start drilling just start setting up and start drilling i was like it's like that's so rude yeah. like, we, it's like we're not even here um but that sounds great um i mean that the good good for you as well to do something like that i mean that wow. sounds really really fun i mean yeah. I, I, is costa rica nice um, it is beautiful i'd recommend it to anyone i did a uh, some hiking in the cloud forest beforehand mm. and the people are so welcoming and so so eager that you mm. have a good time mm-hmm. um, and the food is amazing yeah. uh, very excellent holiday place but I would especially recommend going with Earthwatch to take care of sea turtles because they need it mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> would you include yeah. something like that as, as the bracket of well-being then that people go out there and you know work with nature and uh, absolutely yeah. absolutely because uh, being in nature as we know uh, going yeah. out walking or, or just experiencing nature is very yeah. good for your well-being yeah. Yeah. Um, I do do in fact a writing workshop called nature for instance inspiration. Uh, I'm doing one at Justin Physic Garden in September, okay. uh, yeah. where we'll be writing about nature uh, in order to increase our well-being. It's, it's, that's, uh, there's a couple of things that spring to mind in terms of stuff that I've seen recently on the back of that. Um, I, when I was there, because I've been looking after a man, which we talked about in the intro uh, just earlier, and one of the things that me and my mum watched was, the, the, I forgive me because I don't know the, the name, because I don't watch regular TV that often, but it's a show that's on BBC Two, and it's the guy who, like, they reinvent gardens, you know, like, get, people do gardens, uh, a guy called Monty. Monty Dunn. Yes, yeah. well, the, the Little Places or something, is, something is that like the name that, of the yeah. title? It's, like, big, I don't know, but it's basically a, a gardening restructure mm-hmm. program thing where people have a budget and he sort of helps them and then mm-hmm. they go months later and figure it out. Now, the reason I'm bringing this up is the one that I watched yesterday uh, or the day before was um, talking about, because we've had someone on the show talking about this exact subject. So I'm curious as if this is part of your thought process is that we had a person coming on. Do you remember, Ricky, who it was in terms of, you know, when they said about they were doing um, like gardening as a therapeutic, um, do you remember I this? I think there's where, two examples. Yeah. The, first, the first group we had was a group called Thrive, which was like a using horticultural therapy Hmm. to increase well-being and they even do courses but the last one it was a West End refugee Mm -hmm. group I think you're referring to um, as part of you know, it, you know, embracing refugees who might be. Yeah, vulnerable. I think that's what it was. They, yeah. they had like a, a garden set aside where yeah. they they have horticultural therapy for you mm-hmm. know. So yes. when they get out, it, it's it's a very urban environment. 
So when you have this little green space in the middle of all that, it sort of like sets them up. And, you know, yeah, because um, the guy, so that, so on the back of that, there was a guy on this program I watched a few days ago where he said he struggled with mental health and he talks about it in one of the, like, the side interview things that they yeah. do where they just catch up with him. And he says that his life was in like turmoil and he was really unwell and his wife was worried about him. Mm-hmm. And they then moved house, mm-hmm. got this whole new big garden that needed a ton of work done to it and he just found this like lease of life and mm-hmm. and i wonder whether it's and i want to know what you think uh, laura is that do you think like part of like nature and stuff particularly like because this guy like would find plants and you know figure figure out like what plants he wanted to see grow and i think part of it is that you get to see the reward for yeah. for doing something yeah, you see what i mean like true. as in as in if you work on a plant you almost see like exponentially the results of your hard work like you see it grow and and flourish through your actions and absolutely like, that, it's about making it, something it? grow it's making something yeah. that wasn't there before yes. um, it's also about being outside in fresh air and getting light which mm-hmm. is very important mm-hmm. and also doing manual things working with your hands because we spend so much time on computers and phones these yeah, days we yeah. spend so much time sitting that activity and doing something is really important it's literally Things coming into fruition through yes. your hands, isn't it? Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Laura just turned it to my mom there. Going, You're on the computer too much. <laughs> you just don't use your hands. I am on I, the computer yeah, too much yeah, as well. As yeah. much as so, this is yeah. one of the reasons I chose to do some of my writing workshops at Dilston Physic Garden mm-hmm. near Corbridge. Have you ever been there? Yes, I yeah, have Corbridge. Yeah. Absolutely magical place. Uh, yeah. Wonderful to visit. Mm-hmm. And I do two workshops there every year, and it, it tends to book out. It's that popular because of the venue. Mm-hmm. And it is people just relax so much I mean we, we are sitting down writing but the garden is all around us we get to go out at break great. and it just makes people relax and it opens up their creativity and it opens up themselves mm. yeah. uh, just by being near nature mm-hmm. it's amazing the nearest I mean I, you said you watched that garden show I watched something do you know that B&B program Phone in a Bed where they all sort of test each other's bed and breakfast it's like a competition right. but there was this one place in Scarborough and what they do on an evening, the, the the host has to take them out to do an activity. And these guys, she took them out to this seal sanctuary, and then they released the seals back into the sea. Yes. And all the guests were just saying how privileged they were yes. uh, by doing that, and I just thought, that's such a great thing to do. Yeah. Well, this is also not about writing, but I once helped save a baby seal when the seal rescue came. When it, in Robin Hood's bed, it had come up on the, uh, the quarter deck, yeah. Yeah. and it was far away from the water, and there were people with dogs and, and all sorts. Yeah. And we called the seal rescue. And uh, he said, right, well, come with me. And we, we went down to get the seal. And he had this bag. And he said, look, I'm going to sneak up on it and put a, a, a face cloth over its face. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you have to jump in with the bag. And we're going to roll it in the bag. And you're going to zip up the bag mm-hmm. while I'm, I'm, I'm doing this. But mm-hmm. remember that a baby seal can take your finger off with one bite. So do be careful. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was quite exciting. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it was also very exhilarating because we, we got the seal in the bag. And he took it away to a quiet place where it yeah. could rest mm-hmm. and seals are amazing but they do have to be treated with respect yes. yeah, they yeah. are wild animals they, they look quite cuddly that. but they're far, they are far not cuddly yeah, yeah. They are yeah, not yeah I like that I, I, I think that's kind of nice because I've been watching a, a huge amount of blue planets and uh, oh, when you see stuff like that um, it just makes you just like in awe and it does make you realise that you should kind of care about you know the, yes. the actual earth and, and everything in it mm-hmm. um, you know and I guess particularly since I've had a dog got a dog this year as well as it, it makes mm-hmm. me like kind of a little bit more aware about yeah. it yeah and I think 
thing people do because you know we were talking just before you came on the air about how mental health and depression in particular because my mom's going through a depressive cycle yeah. is that you don't you you have such an inward view of the world and everything around yourself it's very you're very like you know self-absorbed yes and so if you do look at like the outside world and, yeah. and, and nature as we take care of yourself it, a bit. yes exactly yeah and um, what i wanted to ask you um, because we were talking about depression and just sort of, I, I, we, were, we were talking about giving the audience like pointers about how to yes. help with people. Like, and I know this is like a very gen, like generalistic question to ask you, but in in all in your experience doing your waiting for well-being stuff, like what do you think people with mental health for what the traps that they fall into? If you get what I mean, like you know, what do you think? Yeah, well, one of the problems, and I'll just note that I've experienced depression myself, yes. so I, I know That's what I speak of, yes. um, is that when you are feeling depressed or you have emotional troubles, is that you tend to have the same thoughts going round and round in your head, yes. and these thoughts do tend to be negative, and then they build up into something bigger and bigger. And one of the, we, we talked about nature, but also using your creativity is a wonderful way to get out of this, because your mind tends to follow patterns. That's what your mind does. It, it's, you know, it's a good thing for a mind to do that. But it can also be bad when it gets into a negative cycle. Mm -hmm. And using your creativity is a way to step out of that cycle and use a different part of your brain and access different parts of yourself. Exactly. My theory, and you know, maybe it's a radical theory, is that we all have an inner teacher and that we all know stuff already. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We know the things we need to know to be well. It's just a matter of finding our way through to that. Mm -hmm. And using creativity, whether it's through writing or painting or gardening, um, is always a way to help you find mm -hmm. that place inside yourself where you know what you need yeah. and help you to... I don't think that do sounds it. too radical. makes perfect sense <laughs> to me, yeah. yeah. I was going to say just a quick quick point of like... Uh, it always, it, I always like, um, you know, because when I work at like Northumbria Uni, for example, and talk about... If I ever talk about media stuff or anything like that or... or, or talking to people and like obviously social work is a very diverse industry is i always say there's no such thing as you know when people say to you like oh i'd, I'd be a bad interview or i'm not interesting you get that quite a lot as yeah. people who think they're not interesting yeah. and i think just to reiterate your well, point is that i love talking to people mm -hmm. and i actually think the opposite is that i don't think there's there's a story for someone to tell yeah and um i think that so in a way that's essentially what you're what you do yeah. isn't it in a way well, you know we were just talking uh, while the music was playing yeah. i said to you i said you ask me about kindness yes. um and the reason I, I do that is because I have a, a personal experience with using writing uh, for kindness that helped me out of a depression. Mm -hmm. um, I Long before I heard of writing for well-being, I found that I had started doing it because what I did is I got a book and every day I'd write the date and I'd write a kind message to myself. And when I first started doing that, it was incredibly difficult. I couldn't address it to I. I had to put you or even one. And the first messages weren't very kind. They were full of all, all sorts of qualifications, you know, in spite of the fact that I got up late and didn't do very much. And, you know, but I, and then I try and say something kind. The more I worked at writing these, the kinder they got. I was able to be uniformly positive. I was able to stop putting qualifications in. And I used to write it every night before bed. I still do. Every night before bed. And that helped me sleep better because it put me in a good frame of mind. Mm -hmm. 
Now, I've been doing th- I've been doing this for years. It's part of writing for well-being as well. I teach people how to do this. Yeah. Um, and I knew that it was helping me have a more positive frame of mind. But about a year ago, uh, for reasons that aren't important, I started having a depression again. And it wasn't a very bad one, but, you know, depression doesn't feel good. And it was all the classic symptoms. I was really down on myself. I was thinking very negative thoughts. I had trouble, trouble doing very simple things, you know, like doing the washing up or having a shower. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, no, you know, I've fallen into depression again this is going to be terrible what will I do and I was sitting there thinking terrible thoughts and then all of a sudden the kindness pathway in my brain that I had forged by writing kindness messages to myself every day would come out and say, you're feeling really bad right now. You need some kindness. What can we do to cheer you up? And my depressed part of my brain would be saying, no, go away. I'm in a black hole. Nothing can be done. But this kindness pathway would not give up. It kept saying, now, look, these are the things you can do to treat yourself kindly. Remember all the good things about yourself. And I found that the periods when I was having the black thoughts and thinking very badly of myself would become much shorter. And I couldn't sustain them because the kindness pathway in my brain simply wouldn't give up. Mm-hmm. And I had created that by just by every night writing a couple of lines of kindness to myself. And the really important thing about this was not that I deliberately tried to be kind to myself because, as you know, when you are feeling a depression, it's very difficult to treat yourself well. The kindness pathway fired all by itself in my brain because Mm -hmm. I had trained it and I had nurtured it and I had fed it and it fired without me trying Mm -hmm. to make it happen. Mm -hmm. So this is proof uh, in all my personal life that writing for well-being really does work, that Mm -hmm. if you use things that create more positivity, make you treat yourself more kindly it will pay back at times when you really need it Mm. yeah fantastic yeah I I couldn't agree more it's something that I certainly preach and it's funny because when I've been helping my mom in particular recently I've realized how much I feel able to do that because I can if I do ever feel in my own life just a depressive feeling I can actually like stop it from getting out of hand like by the fact that I think it's so important like you were just saying to give yourself a break uh, in the sense of like not to beat yourself up if you aren't able to do something and how it works for me is I I develop a a, a good mindset of if I'm not feeling well as you say it's going back to the basics of things you know will make some sort of a difference yes so I, I I motivate myself in ways of going like I, I, I was teaching my mom this, and I don't know if you find this interesting, but my mom uh, at the moment does this thing where she tries to do a million things at once, and my and I understand that very strongly because in my experience of dealing with depression, you try and run before you can walk, so you try and act like yes. being normal, and though the problem is, is you start stumbling over things and that you don't finish tasks. Mm-hmm. So you start going, I'll do this, and then you go, oh, but there's this to do, and you're not like you're, you've got no discipline, yeah. basically. So what I was telling my mom is that when you think of something to do, do not think about the next thing or think about the last thing in the day, because that's what my mom was doing, thinking of the, yes. the the end the end goal. And I'm like, it's all about doing little baby steps. So like mm-hmm. me just being with her for a little bit, I went like she went to do a hot water bottle was the first task she decided to do, and I went, well, finish that task, and then when you finish it do the next thing and then it suddenly very quickly she she started to focus just by me interjecting and saying Mm -hmm. you know and I didn't help her you know because we were talking about this in the beginning helping someone with depression is like really hard um, because 
you try and support them by doing things for them, but it's not necessarily doing things for them. It's it's reminding them of the things that they, yes. that they can do it and reinforcing it when they can. Well, you know? what you're talking about is yeah. really mindfulness, which is a yes. bit of a buzzword mm-hmm. now, but really what that's about is just paying mm-hmm. attention to what you're doing yes. at the moment. Yes, exactly. And that can be doing very practical things. It also can be doing things with your imagination or choosing mm-hmm. to, to have a memory. Um, this is also something we do in Writing for Wellbeing. I have two workshops in it, one called Creative Mindfulness, which, in fact, we are doing at Dilston in May, and another one called Mindfulness and Calm, in which we do activities which are just trying to get you in the here and now, in your own body, focusing on what you're doing. And we also do it in a lot of creative ways. So it isn't simply about just paying attention to, as you say, getting the hot water bottle full. It's also about, you know, paying attention to the, the good things in your mind, the imagination, the creativity, all the, yeah. thing, all the things that make you you. Mm-hmm. But it's yeah. being present with it instead of having your mind way off somewhere yeah. else. This is not easy to do. It doesn't matter whether you're experiencing depression or not. All of us tend to have runaway minds. Mm -hmm. And therefore, this is why doing things like writing activities for mindfulness are really good. Because, again, it is training Mm -hmm. your mind so that when you need the mindfulness, you've already done the training. Mm -hmm. You've already uh, encouraged it in your mind. It's there for you when you Mm -hmm. need it. Yeah. Is this, the, is this the same approach you have with another aspect of your work? Is it Poetry for Healing? Yes, I have that. a Poetry for Healing yeah. workshop as well. Yeah, That's doing cool. that in Cheshire in May as well. Right. Um, I get around a lot. Yeah, you do. <laughs> um, poetry, of course, speaks to our hearts yeah. more than it does to our minds. Yeah. And it, it's really a, a direct pathway to emotions. And so what we do in that workshop is we take inspiring poems. You don't have to write any poetry, but often people do. Mm. And we do writing activities based upon the inspiring poems which are, of course, all all geared towards finding our way through to greater Mm self-awareness. And people really love that workshop because it does really help you let go of your inner limitations, helps you let go of the, you know, uh, worrying about, am I doing this right uh, or or not? In writing for well-being, there's no way to do it wrong. You are always doing it wrong. I was going to ask, does it require a, a greater skill, or can anyone be a poet? Anyone can do it. Um, yeah, I mean, as I say, you don't even have to write poetry. People do write poetry in these mm-hmm. workshops. You don't have to. Whatever you write, even if it is point form, is mm-hmm. the right thing for you that day. So I have people come to the workshops who've never written before. Mm-hmm. I've had people come who are professional poets, um, uh, anything in between. You know, people who do writing for professional purposes, people who just do it for fun. Um, so there is no requirement of any kind of skill. There, you don't need any experience because mm. whatever you're writing is the right thing. And when you open up and let your heart do it, I guess like art right. in a way that the way the abstract is is sort of seen. Anything can be yes. art in that sense. Yeah. I guess for creative writing, poetry is yeah. the same approach. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I mean, we aren't trying to be Shakespeare, you know. We we aren't trying to to win the Booker Prize. Exactly, yeah. Um, (laughs) We're just out to to. have a few hours of... what it means to you in the end. Yeah, it's me time. This is is all about you, I always say, when you go there. This is your three hours. It's outside of your regular life Mm. just to access your creativity and see what happens. Mm -hmm. I think, um, because I I, uh, mentioned this because... Um, again, like my, my mom's a good example of this at the time, and I, and I definitely do this too. It's that one of the things that happens in a mental health situation, where, so let's we've been using depression as an example, so let's stick with that, is that you do end up sort of getting rid of the creative side, like the stuff mm-hmm. that essentially makes you happy. You yes. by definition yes, just I know go, it. I I don't I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Without 
and depression has a very hard way because I'm trying to reinforce what you said because it was very good that you said that it still is difficult regardless of experience and everything because it's a horrible thing to deal with but that's the thing it, as you said learning the tools of realizing that like no I, I want to do this because I know that it makes me feel better every yes. other time so in some cases um, I, I'm saying this for the benefit of my lived experience and obviously list, look, the, for the audience to hear is that I've had situations where like you know I don't want to do like the radio show or I don't want to do my podcast or I don't want to play board games or do anything nerdy or something and you know because you fall into that trap of going I'm just going to do nothing mm-hmm. and then the problem is if you do nothing you just spend your time in your own thoughts and it's not productive yeah um so I've like fought through through time clearly in a roundabout way you know learned the techniques that you teach and went and I just went I'm going to do it anyway and usually you find when you start a process of doing something that you enjoy the natural impulses and joy you get out of doing it anyway it just comes out but it's just taking that leap of getting to do the thing yeah. is that the, is the real hard part but once you do that is what I'm saying is that I've done shows where I felt unbelievably terrible and then turned on the microphone and then the other part of my brain yeah. kicks in and I'm like suddenly like I've forgotten you know what I've what I've felt and I'm like I'm I'm in the zone of doing the show and it's actually helped it's like when we come to the studio I mean I, I was yeah. telling before the, before the show today I wasn't feeling my best for reasons yes. that we both know yeah. but, but as soon as we get here and we we start a conversation going and it, it just starts yeah. it doesn't it yeah. Yeah. It start, as you said different part of your brain well I think yeah. it's also about trying to let go of the idea of results thinking yes. that you have to produce something and it has to be this good and, yeah. and it has to be <laughs> just so um, this is why I say in writing for well-being whatever you write is the right thing we're just going to see what happens yeah. it's about the process it's not yeah. about making making Shakespeare yeah. I'm laughing because I'm like you're describing me I'm <laughs> such a perfectionist and I'm like going what do you mean I'm trying to get it right? <laughs> Can I ask you one final thing, Laura? Yes. Um, uh, I noticed on your website this thing called corporate wellness. Yes. Now, one thing that's currently contemporary and, and talked about is mental health in the workplace. Yes. Is that scheme designed to tackle that in some way? Because I know that's one stigma that we... Yes, it is. Um, and it, uh, how I offer the, the corporate wellness, and this is why I say wellness as opposed to, um, you know... Uh, development yes um, is that my idea another radical idea again is that if you encourage your um, employees to work on their own well-being and be kind to themselves then naturally they will work better be more efficient mm-hmm. and every you know you'll have more profits and everything will work well yes. but you concentrate not on the final result of profits mm-hmm. and efficiency you concentrate on wellness so, for example, recently I did um, a couple of sessions at Newcastle College, and they wonderfully have a wellness day mm-hmm. every month for their employees. And they had me come in to, because it was Stress Awareness Day, you know, hashtag Stress Awareness Day. And I did a couple of 45-minute sessions just of writing to release stress. Mm-hmm. And it really was amazing seeing the people rushing in at the beginning and looking at their watches and, oh, we only have 45 minutes, and how chilled they were when they left. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This can only make for more efficient employees if they feel stress letting go. Mm -hmm. And because these were all, I think we did four activities in 45 minutes, because they are short activities, it's the sort of thing that they could actually do at their desk if they are feeling Mm -hmm. stressed. They could take a few minutes, do the same kind of writing we did, Mm -hmm. let the stress go, and go back to the work again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's kind of like, um, because I've been seeing because of how hectic 
the last couple of months have been for me is that I realised that like because uh, I was defending do you remember when we uh, we, we discussed on the radio show that they, they were going to put um, video game what was it Disorder or something it was a disorder for video games the World Health Organisation for Gaming as yes a mental as a mental disorder yeah. of playing video games oh, too right. much yeah. and we talked about that because you know I, my friends sent me this going what do you think because <laughs> I play video games and it's funny because I actively said to like my girlfriend for example is I went um the one of the reasons I think I'm feeling down and stuff is because I I've in a roundabout way and I've I've realized this but I think I've always known this is that my downtime is in my me time is playing video games yes. like I I don't play them long but I play them like every day but just in blocks yes. of like this is my like it's I treat it as my reward so like yeah. I kind of go I do all my work I do what I need to do I make sure my dog's okay and take him for walks and stuff and I get back and then I have a little bit of time where in video games help me forget issues yeah. and stuff like that so I, I'm saying it's like that that is, is one example in my personal life where you know doing something like that consistently actually like because I'm not doing that as much I think that's part of the reason I'm feeling yeah. symptoms is because I'm not um, I'm not yeah. I'm not making enough time for myself well you have to um, set aside yes. some time to have fun in your life yes. and do things you enjoy yeah. I mean there's a difference between as you said playing video games too much if yes. you're playing them for hours and hours and yeah, are not, are not getting up yeah. out of your seat yeah. and you aren't doing eating as you say or doing other things yes. you need to do that is in fact an avoidance yeah. uh, issue exactly but if you enjoy them, I mean, it's the same as people go out to a film or yeah. you know go out and have a drink with friends or or anything. Uh, it is not as you would call it productive mm -hmm. in terms of money or work. As you said, results, but it yeah. is productive in well-being. But exactly. Why can't the results be that you are in a better frame of mind? Exactly. That that's what I never understand with that thing. Because basically, in a nutshell, because and obviously you went yeah, as I just said which is what you've just paraphrased, is that um, I, it's always annoying in mainstream media is that they take something like a, 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 a widespread thing that people enjoy and apply it to mean that it's bad because people overuse it. Um, it doesn't mean that everybody overuses it. It's that it always comes down to just how much you do something. Well, if it can, gets in the you way, You can overuse then, anything. Yes, I mean, work exactly, may be yeah. productive and good, but yes. you can do too much exactly. work. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, eating good food can be good, but you can yeah. eat too much of it. Yeah. Desserts. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Exactly, we all know it. <laughs> Too nice. Anyway, um, so I guess uh, we're exactly on time, which is excellent because we need to stop for ads because it's nearly one o'clock. But what I wanted to ask you is just because you've mentioned a few dates later in the year. Is there anything coming up more recent? Or uh, yes, like I can just say all my workshops are on my website, writingforwellbeing.co.uk. Uh, on 11th March, we're doing Opening Up to Kindness at York Yoga Studio. On 25th March, at the Thought Foundation in Berkeley, which has wonderful desserts at their cafe, by the way, <laughs> we're doing Changing Growth. <laughs> and on 19th May, we're doing Creative Mindfulness at Dilston Physic Garden. You can find all of it on my website, as well as links to my Facebook and Twitter and my contact. Fantastic. We'll just say the desserts next door are pretty good as yeah. well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's nice being here. So we can just go after you and mm. if you can go and have a nice dessert yeah. and a nice pizza bread or whatever it is I had this morning, which was very nice. The chips um, look nice too. Yes, exactly, yeah. Um, see, you can have, like, as The Rock says, you can have chips, you know. Chips is okay. <laughs> I just, I, it always annoys me when they go, like, be on a diet and, like, chip, chips, is the, the chips get a bad rap, people. Rock, the Rock said that, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, he's... Because uh, chips is the crisps. Well, his... He's um well yeah uh, uh, fries I guess yeah, is what they yeah. call it in it um he just said in a nutshell because obviously he's very uh, the, the very 
big mm-hmm. is he says um, all his training and all his endurance stuff that he does to keep in shape um, one of the things he indulges himself to do is have a cheeseburger mm-hmm. um, cheeseburger and fries he said that he's like there's nothing wrong with that like, you think being, being said a, the same you know, thing I know like you had chicken thing. nuggets yeah. before you went to gold medal <laughs> I remember <laughs> that yeah. <laughs> anyway but here's thank you Laura thank you so much for coming in obviously as we said check out her website and um, for more information and it was nice having you on thank you um, and thanks very much and have uh, hope Hope you have a good soon. Yeah, come on soon and everything. And uh, thank you very much. Right, we're going to take a break right now because we're hitting one o'clock, and then um, I believe we're going to have our next guests in, aren't we? Because they're going to want to be on soon because they've been very politely waiting in the cafeteria. Um, But we're going to take a break now, and we're going to play Paolo Nutini, which I've been listening to a huge amount. I'm so pleased they've got it. They've got one of his songs, the the obvious one, Pencil Full of Lead. But um, I'm so pleased they've got it on the database because I've been listening to him uh, quite a lot recently good segue that pencil um, full of lead and yeah. talking about writing yeah yeah uh, yeah. maybe that was a subconscious thing mm. I found it Yeah. anyway so we're going to play some ads we're going to play Paolo Nutini and then we'll be right back uh, and mentally sound right here on Spice FM 98.8 FM sick of the same old radio sound <sighs> then you need vibrant radio spice up your life Spice FM 98.8 FM मैं निकला ओ गड्डी लेके ओ नवी गड्डी नवी गड्डी नवी गड्डी ओ वेखी अमड़िया मेरी नवी गड्डी वाह चाचा एनी वधिया नवी गड्डी किथो तू लेके आया ओ किस्ता ते लईया जस्सी ते क्रिस ने अपनी नवी कंपनी खोली या फाइनेंस कंपनी मैं उना को गया और उना ने गल कीती उना ने मेनू रंगे रोवर देती ओ चाचा पर तेरा ता रिकॉर्ड ही इतना माड़ा वा ओ कोई गल नहीं तू जाके उना ने गल कर ओ सारेया नु क्रेडिट लेके दे सकते नवी गड्डी नवी गड्डी नवी गड्डी चाचा रंगे रोवर नहीं Range Rover. If you've been refused car credit, then come and see our finance team at WeFinanceYouForMore.com. Call Jesse on 0800 917 8013. Visit our Scotswood Road showroom or log on at WeFinanceYouForMore.com. It's Red Hot Radio. Spice FM 98.8 FM. For my head, I got a pencil full of lead and some water for my throat. I got buttons for my coat and sails on my boat. So much more than I needed before. I got money in the meter and a turbine. The road now's getting on the road. So they get sweeter and the legs on my tail. Then I head for a hair. Bought it up and some shoes in my feet. I got a shelf full of books and most of my teeth. Two pairs of tops and a door with a lock. I got food in my belly and a license for my telly. And nothing's gonna bring me down. I'm 
Hello everybody, welcome back to Mandalay Sound right here on 98.8 FM, Spice FM. Thank you so much for joining us here on Friday afternoon in the rain, <laughs> which is <laughs> obviously what it's always like um, here in Newcastle. As I, t- as I, I as can see the sun is out actually. Yeah, yeah. maybe that's us talking. Yeah. <laughs> so we actually <laughs> did brighten up the day, didn't we? <laughs> that was our gag at the beginning of the show. <laughs> yeah. 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 We tried to brighten up the day, but not in a, in a metaphorical sense, not a literal <laughs> sense, you know. We, when, we don't control the weather, unfortunately. <laughs> maybe one day. Turns out we do a bit. Yeah, yeah, it turns out we do, yeah. And now the police are here. I was here, <laughs> I was here the whole time, uh, quite literally, yeah. You guys will be in my alibi, right? <laughs> but anyway, um, but yeah, huge thank you to Laura. That was such a great interview. We were talking about this. Uh, you know, K- uh, Kaylee and uh, Ricky and I were just talking about how, isn't it great how we, we, started, the inter- uh, we started the interview by going, wonder what we'll talk to you about because you've been on three times and then suddenly it was like we had couldn't shut her up once it started <laughs> in a really nice way it's nice when we don't have to actually talk about anything it's kind of mm-hmm. cool um, so we're going to do things a little bit differently guys so if you've listened to the show before we usually do mental health news at this time on the second hour but uh, this happens because guests want, want certain times so we have some guests uh, that we're going to chat to so we're going to find a way of getting mental health news maybe towards the end of the show we'll have we'll to do it there, uh, but we'll do it at some point so if you're tuning in regularly and this is the mental health news we're putting that aside because guests are more important obviously so I'd like to welcome Maggie and Chelsea isn't it uh, to the show uh, to talk about Northumberland domestic abuse is that the main yeah, stuff isn't it so welcome guys nice to, welcome. nice to hear thanks for inviting us you're very welcome um, so I guess to start with I mean the most obvious question is to ask you guys what you guys do and like uh, what your roles are so we'll start with you yeah so I'm Maggie and my role within Northumberland domestic abuse service is to coordinate the children's service great and how about you Chelsea I actually work for Northumberland County Council at the minute in okay. their participation team. I'm an apprentice, Ooh. but I will be going over to Maggie full time. You're hired. Sorry, I'm, I'm going to be sued by BBC on us. Copyright, isn't it? Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, it's the other one. It's the I'm going to be sued by Trump. Actually, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. the first one. Oh, not another one. <laughs> I'm, going to get, I'm getting sued again. <laughs> Sorry, I just followed the obvious things to say, but um, that sounds that sounds interesting. So obviously, we're going to delve into that. So. Um, I mean, me and Ricky talk about this jokingly because I'm sure Ricky's got some uh, interesting questions to ask you, but I guess because my curious brain goes like, why did you end up wanting to do this? Like, I mean, like the individual kind of interests me about what right. got you into doing this in the first place. So I feel I can ask you, Maggie, like what, what, what was um, your... I used to work for teenage pregnancy as a prevention worker. Wow. Um, and I, I used to work with young people um, all around the sexual health needs, all around condoms and um, implants. Right. And what I found out was young people 
were not sort of, um, they were really aware about condoms, they were aware about contraception, mm -hmm. but a lot of the young um, women that I worked with had no control in their relationships, so they didn't have the skills or they mm -hmm. didn't have the knowledge um, or didn't have any control in their relationships. So that's how I got into um, doing lots of training about um, domestic abuse and inequality within relationships and control. Wow. So that was my background and that's yeah. how mm -hmm. I got into this. Mm -hmm. um, so from that, I did training um, to become um, a young person's violence advisor. I mean, okay. I've always thought it was a bit of a dodgy title. And that was because... <laughs> yeah, because that, yeah. that implies <laughs> no, the opposite, doesn't it? some advice. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And that was because in 2013, <laughs> they changed the definition of domestic abuse. Yes. They brought the age down to 16. Um, and they added the um, coercive control element of it. Because okay. lots of people recognise domestic violence, but they don't recognise all the coercive control and behaviours yeah. that go within, within that. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so my role was to kind of um, work with the young people, but also to educate people mm -hmm. around how it might look different within teenage relationships. Mm -hmm. um, they might have to go to school you know, mm -hmm. this person every single day yeah. in the same mm -hmm. class. Mm. Um, it might be their first relationship, so they don't have anything to compare mm -hmm. it against. Um, so that it's a different element of domestic abuse within young people's relationships yeah. as it is. Well, to yeah, not only not only you're saying about not having the experience, but obviously it's obvious because they're young as well, yeah. isn't it? So and it's status. I have no idea. You know, yeah, it's yeah. Like sometimes it's like having that status that that person that's the first time that's paid interest in them. You know, it, it, into their self-esteem. Yes. Mm -hmm. So they put up with all those bits that they don't, don't like, actually like, or they don't because they think it. Yeah, it has to have. They have to have one one mm -hmm. in order for the other one to happen. Yeah, yeah it's exactly. it's such a difficult thing. Yeah, I'm so pleased you're saying because it, it it baffles me when you said do you, just just because you said this. I'm I'm intrigued. Mm -hmm. did. What did you mean when you said it's the it's the it's went down in age? Like what was the age beforehand when you said it seems to sixteen? Yeah, that seems bizarre to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, especially this day and age. Yeah. I mean, it's mm -hmm. that, it was only that actually became law in two, 2015. So yeah. it's really recent. Yeah, you know, this has happened that they've added those elements into it. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's very, very, um, yeah. very intriguing. Because yeah. uh, I, I, my, my married, get married at 16 with parental, yeah. but you mm. couldn't experience abuse yeah. when you're well, we, we say this about, are, yeah. We say this about mental health, <coughs> is that, mm -hmm. um, you know, obviously because this is a mental health main show, is we, we often say it's baffling, don't know whether you agree with this, but it's just baffling that mental health, because uh, you said you did, did um, you know, sexual education, is that we often say that mental health in our opinion, should be on par with sex education because yeah. why do you always speak about the physical aspect of sex but not the emotional side? Yeah. Like in, th that makes no sense to me. No. Um, because it obviously is an emotional commitment, even mm -hmm. if it is just like you know we've talked about this. I, I did a podcast about this um, about one night stands and like even one night stands on a very small scale. And there's loads of research about this if everyone's interested yeah. that says that on some sort of level feelings become part of it mm -hmm. and the fact that you decide to do something like that even has a small connotation of feelings yeah. so why not treat that seriously I don't really get that mm -hmm. um, and the thing with young people is what mm -hmm. you're looking for in this is they're looking for the love element yes yeah, exactly yeah. You know, and they kind of they buy into that sort of this is going to be a relationship they're mm -hmm. looking for that love mm -hmm. I can't understand when they're just getting the sex that is not it's just about feeling good, isn't it? Yeah, and, and they both yeah. feel good mm -hmm. while you know they're in the moment, but yes. then the next mm -hmm. day when it sort of it hits the self-esteem, mm -hmm. or you know they'll get um, from other people, you know how they think, or mm -hmm. they, they see it differently as well, and it has a massive impact um, mm -hmm. on young people's self-esteem. Yeah, but so I thought I let Ricky talk because mm -hmm. just uh, so in terms of you, Chelsea. 
what was your um, you know journey into doing what you do now? Well, as a teenager, I grew up in foster care, mm-hmm. and Northumberland have something called their like the Northumberland Children in Care Council. Mm-hmm. Now I was a member of that for many couple of years, and then the opportunity came up for an apprenticeship with them. Brilliant. So I took it, and then Maggie's now stealing me. Is that the appropriate word? I'm not sure. But <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the right word. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's hard to get good people in good jobs. You know, I, I totally understand that. So what you? What are you I doing? mean, yeah. I mean, it's it's enormously taboo, isn't it? Yeah. Domestic abuse, and I think when we're all when we all sort of are hit by that phrase, domestic abuse, pr- we probably all have different views and opinions and what 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 it is mm-hmm. how would how would you guys define it um it's it is all those kind of control and behaviors for me domestic abuse is um about power it's not all, it's not all physical um, it's not it, a it can be physical because domestic violence is part yeah. of that as well so and that's what people sometimes recognize mm-hmm. the domestic violence mm-hmm. side of it but domestic abuse is mm-hmm. when somebody just they take away somebody's basic human mm-hmm. rights they completely control that person um, it's they're called controlled by fear um, they're controlled by it could be financial abuse it can be emotional mm-hmm. abuse it can be physical abuse it can be mm-hmm. sexual there's lots of different elements to mm-hmm. it that people kind of recognize the definition but what that mm-hmm. actually looks like is somebody not having any power to make any decisions mm-hmm. in their life who mm-hmm. they talk to what they wear what they do mm-hmm. who they see those sorts of and what's, what's the toll in terms of the mental health impact of those sorts of abuses do you see on people it, it goes hand in hand, hand you hand know hand. it's if um, somebody is being controlled that is going to have a massive impact mm-hmm. on their mental health yeah. and what people see is sometimes is the strategies they use to cope mm-hmm. with that so they'll mm-hmm. see they'll um, it might be they turn to alcohol they might be turned to substance misuse mm-hmm. or um, eating disorders those mm-hmm. kind of things and that's what yeah. people will see they'll see the behaviours but they don't actually see the person that's doing it is kind of hidden within yeah. it so it'll be all about labelling that person mm. it'll be all about that victim blaming because they see the mental health of, they see the it's tough isn't it because <coughs> the, the, I guess the average Joe's uh, amongst us can only pick up on something when they say physical evidence, yeah. but there's a lot going on behind the scenes which we don't know of. Yeah. So how would you how would you then penetrate that image to to get into what goes on behind the scenes? Is what the I'm doing at the minute is that I'm actually I've started doing um, puppeteer classes. All right. Um, <laughs> yeah, no. A woman after my own heart. <laughs> I, I, I I used to do puppeteering. Did yeah. you? Yeah, yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. it's fantastic, and to me that exactly shows what you see, what is in front of you, is mm. the puppet. Right. And what people don't tend to see is the the puppeteer that is completely behind mm. the scenes. So and it's to get people to focus on the puppeteer. So it's not about mm-hmm. what that that person is doing and it's all those behaviours. It's having some sort mm-hmm. of explanation about mm-hmm. what is going on behind it. And that's what I see yeah. as my role within yeah. that. So it is when I'm working with other professionals to get them to understand, to feel, to not just think about these are behaviours, but mm-hmm. what that is actually like to experience mm-hmm. that person going through mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. what that feels like. What I loved about puppeteering because I did like a sort of adult puppeteering show, mm-hmm. and the whole idea was to just be silly about it and to breach stereotypes because mm-hmm. the great thing about pu- puppets if you can convince them that it's a real thing is that um, my whole idea was enjoying the improvised nature of 
of of saying things con- like outrageous, mm-hmm. but with a puppet, with, with a, a puppet cute puppet, it. because the whole idea about that is to bridge the thing of like everything in a way is ridiculous, in that there are some things that are just you know, because in a roundabout way, discrimination by the fact that it is that is 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 ridiculous, yeah, and that there's no real criteria. It makes no sense to say like you've got a different skin color, so I'm going to attack you, or it, it it it's so crazy if you've got any sort of awareness of how daft that is mm-hmm. so puppeteering's great like you just said because I used it as a, as a bridge to go like I'm going to say some outrageous things but the whole point is it's ridiculous because it's a cute I, I, my, my puppet was a dragon <laughs> it was a dragon so he would just say ridiculous things in an Alabama accent mm-hmm. and uh, which I always thought was funny just having a person go whale <laughs> hello um, and it, yeah so I, I, I'm totally on board and as you said it's because you have a, 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 a if a person is struggling with confidence mm-hmm. they have a, a, mm-hmm. a screen to hide behind yeah. but still voice their opinion yeah. through uh, through the medium of puppetry. Mm. But if you take the other element of mm. that, you sort of did what you did wanted to say through the puppet. Mm-hmm. If you think of that in domestic abuse, exactly. that mm. is exactly what they yeah. do. It's mm. like, you know, this is what I want to happen and I'll not do it through myself. And it's, it's usually down to people's mm-hmm. insecurities. It's down to how they feel about themselves. People don't do this because... Um, it's it's because they're hurting why they do it. It's because they've got issues about themselves. Mm-hmm. Is why they want to have control of somebody else. Mm-hmm. So it's like doing that through their puppet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, does that mm-hmm. really in a nutshell what you think? Um, people who control people do- with domestic abuse is the. I think there's lots of different reasons yes. for it, but that's the one to me. I can kind the of most understand common. that is yeah. because they are hurting because mm-hmm. you know they've got insecurities about themselves or yes. it's something that they've seen. It's something they've grown up with mm. and it's what they've learned from what mm. they've seen. So yeah. and it's quite different because it's so ingrained mm-hmm. to do anything differently. Yeah. In terms of our region, then, um, do we have a specific problem with domestic abuse up here? Yes. Uh, and um, what? If so, what are the reasons that you pinpoint um, them to? I mean, Northumberland, we work in Northumberland mm-hmm. and it is 30% higher than the national average in uh, Northumberland for domestic right. abuse. And a lot of that is because it's rural communities. Okay. So um, a big part of domestic abuse is isolation. Isolate, isolation right. away okay. from families. Um, isolation could be sort of that physical. <coughs> if you're living somewhere very mm-hmm. rural in Northumberland, um, you're going to see very few people, so it, it's yeah. much easier to control someone because of that isolation. Mm-hmm. Um, there's an older population in Northumberland, mm-hmm. um, so we have a lot of um, young people, uh, older people, experience over the 55 mm-hmm. for that for that reason. Mm-hmm. Um, again, lots of different reasons. It's yeah. more difficult within communities um, in rural Northumberland because of their attitudes or you know it's that old thing but what goes on behind closed doors you know you don't None talk about none of your business yeah. kind of thing yeah, yeah. Right, so interesting yeah don't want to be involved in it for that reason mm. so we're trying to break these taboos mm. Mm. Um, our service actually came from a um, historically it was a women's counselling service mm-hmm. in West Northumberland and it was called 608030 and the mm. reason behind that was it's the phone, phone number mm-hmm. um, and why it was changed in Northumberland domestic abuse service it was to get over that taboo domestic abuse is still out there let's name it's like so it says what it does on the tin um, no, yeah, totally. Yeah, well, that's, that makes a great deal of sense. Uh, what I want to ask uh, Chelsea because I want to make sure we're, we stick to time. <laughs> no, 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 that's totally fine. Um, that was that was obviously interesting mm-hmm. to learn. Um, I just I'm interested to know from your experience in the stuff that you know the the, the work that you do. What do you think is the most, I guess, challenging aspect of what you do, and like what's the most common 
thing that you witnessed. If you get, if you get, do you get my meaning? Not really, because <laughs> I just I work with mainly children in foster care. Right. So I okay. help run the groups that I used to be a part of. Yes. And I think one of the massive things with them that's is good. like social media. Yes. Ah, okay. Oh, that's a good all point. All the issues yeah. around <coughs> social media and all these different apps that they can get, and they go off meeting all these different people, and it just <coughs> worries you. Yes. <laughs> so you said because you did the, you used the experiences yourself. Did you just say that? Pardon? Did you say you just used the, your now doing work? That you used to do, yeah. So I was just saying when you said that, my I literally said out loud lived experience, which is great because I often say that that's that's like a lot more beneficial to you know. Because do you ever get the situation where somebody goes, you don't know what you're talking about or something, and you can actually say, yes, I well, yes, I do. (laughs) Sometimes, yeah, not as much anymore. But I know when I like first began, I don't think they realised I knew how much I did know. Yes, about like the. the whole experience because obviously I know how them young people are going to be feeling yes. I was in their shoes mm-hmm. exactly so I know how they're going to react if they try and do a certain thing yeah so I'm quite good with that so you get a little bit of, you've got a bit of instinct because you've lived through it yourself exactly yeah um, it's funny that's really weird <coughs> that you're going to say that because um, I haven't said this yet well, well you know this you know this because I talked to you privately obviously but um, I think I've talked about this on the show but my sister's in the adoption process she's going to adopt a child soon which is super cool but yeah, very com- very complicated yeah. I mean uh, she keeps giving me updates to go on now she's got to do a medical so she's at that stage now where she's got to get a medical to see that she's not going to die in the next year or <laughs> you know that's bit which makes sense because you can't just give a person so I mean um, so was it what was your um, sort of motivation if that's the right word uh, Chelsea in terms of doing this was it because you got help that you desperately needed at the time Was or was it a combination of like the services wasn't you know, doing what you what you you know you wanted to do, make it better. You know, what was your sort of desire to to do what you're doing now? I'm not really sure. I just know that I used to love doing it, and then like once you hit a certain age, you stop like attending them, and yeah. I didn't want to like totally leave that. I think oh, that's right, more yeah. of like a that's it's something that I've done for a while. And yeah, it's something that was constant, and yeah. I didn't want to like just totally abandon it. Mm-hmm. So. That makes a great deal of sense. Um, yeah, I mean, it's always nice. That's right, what you're going to say. I was going to say, um, in terms of um, refuges, because I keep hearing them about, we talked before about cuts to services. Yeah. <coughs> um, services themselves have been overstretched. Mm. What's your take on, on, on the closure of women's refuges and how important they are to, to what you guys do? I think they're um, vital mm. to what we do as well. We have got... Um, one refuge in the whole of Northumberland. If you think how many cat and dog yeah, shelters yeah. there are <laughs> in comparison, we've got one refuge in Northumberland. Yeah. Um, and in my previous role, I supported a young woman that was in the refuge mm-hmm. in Northumberland. And the setup of this is, is, is um, three bedroom houses, mm-hmm. so you get a lot of family in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was nobody to support the children. Mm-hmm. So it was, you could have a 13 year old that comes from a different part of the country mm-hmm. who's been told, do not get in touch with any of your friends, do not access mm-hmm. your Facebook, your social media, which is a lifeline to a lot of young yeah. people. That's how yeah. they communicate and having no support to do that. So when we first developed the um, children's service, mm-hmm. this is how young people got involved because they were involved in making the recommendations about what a service should look like. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a participation mm-hmm. group of young people that went and did lots of research and they said mm-hmm. one of the first things that needs to be done is support for children in the refuge. So yeah. our mm-hmm. first um, children's mm-hmm. domestic 
abuse practitioner is actually based in the refuge to support the families within uh, Northumberland mm -hmm. Refuge mm -hmm. now. So mm -hmm. what we're doing is, um, as a service, it's about involving children and young people um, that's had that lived experience um, that could give us the information mm -hmm. of what a service should look like. Because I could come into the role and say, this is what I think Northumberland needs. Mm -hmm. But unless you involve children and young people to make those choices themselves. Um, the other thing that came from that is the young people we support are all service users children. Okay. And that is because they said one of the biggest barriers for children and young people is fear. Fear that they're going to say the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. Fear that they're going to get the families, the parents into trouble. Fear that you know they're going to be taken away. Yeah. So if we've got somebody supporting the family, if we've got somebody mm -hmm. supporting... Um, a caregiving parent within that, it makes it so much easier for that child and mm. that family to get support because mm. it's about empowering them yeah, as a yeah. family rather than doing the individual work with one or the other. Mm. Uh, I need, uh, unfortunately, we need to cut this short because we're only pressed for time. Right. But, um, <laughs> but uh, no, no, it's, it's, it's all yeah. fine. Uh, what I want to make sure the people listening here mm -hmm. is just information about what yeah. you guys provide and you yeah. know where <coughs> people can si basically signposting we're a self-referral service right so we have got a website which is um www.nda.services um and we're, we're self-referral so it's you know people can um get the support with anything that's, that's going out for them current that's going on for them as well and we give that kind of practical <coughs> and emotional support yeah um then they, through that they can get support for the children within that as well. Great. Um, we work with men and boys. Um, we work with people, um, whatever relationship there are in LGBTQ. Mm -hmm. So we will work with anybody who's experienced in domestic abuse. Am I right in saying there's also you've also got a film out, Control? Is that right? We've got yes. We I was going to ask, is that available to watch online? It is, it is on. A, it's through our website, yeah. or you, if we have got a Northumberland domestic abuse YouTube, that you right. can get it as well. All right, cool. Yeah. I'm going to watch that. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Right, that's that's excellent. Um, so obviously we encourage people to you know obviously talk to you because mm -hmm. I mean we did obviously we make sure that we do disclaimers on this show that like you know if this is a classic example of a, a taboo subject. Yeah. Um, even though I I hate using taboo too often because it I don't mm -hmm. think ironic things are ironically taboo I think most of the time. Mm -hmm. But um yeah the whole idea is to say that like the great advantage of having you guys on we can discuss this and then say if you are feeling this way. Yeah go and talk to you guys yeah. and you can help them far better than us just talking about it yeah. so but talking about it is just as important so. so great thank you so much guys for coming on okay. um, and uh, yeah hopefully we'll get to talk to you again yes go ahead it's just that we've got a skydive <laughs> um, this year it's <laughs> <laughs> a yeah. fun thing yeah. nothing to do with what we're doing just like sorry no go on the idea behind that is because it is a massive fear for people to overcome their fears to engage with our service it is I mean that is a really scary thing to do. I wouldn't. So do when it. we <laughs> do any sort of um, awareness raising campaigns <laughs> or fundraising, we're kind of telling people put your, you know, put your money where mm. your mouth is. So we've got people. We did had twelve people skydive for us last year, oh, and cool. we're doing it again. So we're looking for anybody who wants to sort of um, raise funds for a charity and do something like it. We've got a skydive, and we've also got an mm. um, abseil off Hexham Abbey. If people want to get in touch, oh. just have a look on their website. And if you two are up for it, just let us know. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, I'm just going, I'm terrified of heights. I might be able to abseil, and I've done yeah. that before. But I'm we had um, three police officers, we had the bishop, we had the canon, and we had an MP do it last year. There's 56 mm. people oh. did it. Right. Um, cool. So, yeah, so we do look it's at creative ways. <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah. I'm, I, as soon as she said that, my heart likes to be. <laughs> 
was just like, oh my god. Yeah. But yeah, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see. Uh, cool. Well, thank you so much, guys. Uh, uh, safe trip home and everything. Yeah. I hope you didn't mind waiting too long, didn't but you, but you had some nice food, didn't you? And you're welcome to come on again. Yes. Anytime. Thanks yeah. a lot, guys. Thank you. Right, we're going to take uh, a quick break now, guys. Thank you so much to our guests who have been on so far, to Maggie, to Chelsea, and to Laura. We're going to take a quick break for Jeremy to come on, uh, which we're excited. He's came all the way from London, which is really nice of him. Is that right? Uh, as far from what I can tell, uh, that's what, I'm pretty sure that's what Ricky said. He was on the train. Uh, so yeah, we're going to take a break now. We're going to play some ads, and then we're going to play Billy Idol uh, in a second, and then we'll be back with Jeremy in the studio. So we're we'll back after this, guys. On Mentally Sound, right here on 98.8 FM. Don't think of the same old radio sound. <sighs> then you need vibrant radio. Spice up your life. Spice FM, 98.8 FM. Welcome to your community announcement answer machine. Your only Bollywood station in Newcastle. Spice FM 98.8 FM.
Hello everybody, welcome back to Mentally Sound right here on Spice FM 98.8 FM, live in the studio right here in the Beacon Centre in the heart of Newcastle. And a huge thank you to Maggie and Chelsea, now, that was a really nice interview, um, yes, yeah. and uh, obviously, you know, talking about domestic abuse is always difficult, but like, that gives us the opportunity to talk about it. I think it was the first wasn't it? We've not yeah. really covered that. Well, we've, we've, when Steve used to be on, we talked about domestic abuse a little bit, and it's come up in oh, mental yeah. health news headlines, yeah. um, but I don't yeah. think we've ever like sort of talked about it with an organisation that deals specifically with that, so I know it's currently um, in the news a lot because, as I mentioned, one yeah. of the questions has been a lot of refugees which have been like cut and uh, they're really kind of overstretched as well. Yeah, and you said like I was going to ask you this just quickly: is that you asked like is it a problem in the northeast? Because hasn't that been kind of come up in the news recently? That we are know, we've um, got a bad the northeast gets a bad rap. Cuts, that kind of stuff. I think, have hit our region really yes. hard. So um, yeah, yeah. So no, I thought it was a, a, a an obvious, you know, obviously good situational thing, and uh, obviously it's a it's a problem that persists, obviously as well. And a huge thank you to Laura who talked about well, well writing for well-being. You know, as we said that we didn't think we'd be, she'd been on twice, and we're like, but we still managed to get you know a good interview out of her, and it was really interesting. Mm-hmm. So obviously go to her stuff if you think that it's uh, good to write about your situation and whatnot. It's like a mini nature show that wasn't. Um, it? But yeah, um, I'm hugely grateful to have Jeremy back on the show, who's uh, from Children Northeast. Um, hello, nice to have you back on. Thank you. And uh, I, as we said, because we we talked about obviously we mentioned in the intro who's going to be on today's show, and we said Ricky told us in the pre uh, in, pre meeting we have before the show that you were coming from London. So I'm kind of curious. As we're to coming what back from London. Yeah, com- yeah. yeah coming. T- yes, sorry. Yeah, coming from. Back from yeah, back from London. <laughs> Sorry, I said from London. Yeah, he just flew here. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so what were you doing? If you don't mind me asking. Uh, well, we're part of a uh, membership organisation, a, a coalition, if you like, of um, organisations that work with children, young people, and families across the whole of England. Great. Called Children England. Um, and I was down there for an event we had last night, where Polly Toynbee, the Guardian columnist. Uh, was talking about the way in which the welfare state is disintegrating before our eyes. And yeah. Rick has just referred to the cuts that we've had here in the northeast and how that's affecting all kinds mm-hmm. of services. That's going on across the whole country. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I mean like uh, what are the I mean because I, I know people have asked me this because I've worked for like, o- like national organisations before yeah. I mean what's the benefit would you say just in a because I'm just because I'm curious what's the benefit of having a coalition like that is it is it is it connections is it getting better stuff done what do you what, what do you think the benefit uh, of it is well for, for us as a, a, a local charity yeah. in the northeast, it uh, means that we can join together with other charities yes. and have some national impact mm-hmm. um, and the uh, uh, within Children Northeast, the chief executive there is a woman called Cathy uh, Evans mm-hmm. who um, is very well connected in with government and um, you know, writes pieces in the newspapers and the magazines and things like that so she's yeah. really kind of a Thought leader, I suppose, is the mm-hmm. word to use yeah. um, for the whole sector. Yeah. But it's really much based on what she learns from all the organisations in in Children England. Yeah, that was really going on for mm-hmm. children. Yeah, so I guess before Ricky, because I know I know Ricky's going to have, because I know you, you, there's a few things we, we we could talk to you about. For example, the Adair project and yeah. you know Care and Dads and all that kind of stuff, which uh, you were telling me in the break, which is interesting. Um, I, I just w- I'm curious to know because get politeness enters my head a lot is just to ask you how have you been because we were talking <laughs> before we were talking before you came on that okay. it's been a couple of years because you've not been in the studio since we've moved here sure. so how, how have things been since we last saw you um, for me personally yeah. very well yeah. thank you <laughs> yeah. um, 
for the organisation pretty good as yeah. well. We've been expanding our counselling service for young people. Great. Um, and unlike the statutory services, which tend to cut off at 18, we're able to extend that up to 25. Brilliant. Um, so we have uh, we've had several years now grant from the Police and Crime Commissioner for Northumbria to provide a counselling service for young people up to the age of 25 across the whole of the Northumbria force region. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when, when they've been affected by, by by crime that's happened, we're really pleased about that. Yeah. Um, we've also uh, had an extension to our counselling services in Newcastle. We're now doing that in Gateshead as well. That's Correct. for young people too. Um, so, so things are going very well in that respect. Um, and um, the kinds of um, early uh, help programs that we do in schools are really beginning to take off as well much more. Great. Um, we have a program called Be You, Be Yourself, <laughs> um, which is about, um, about looking after your own uh, emotional health and well-being, mm-hmm. which we deliver in schools. Yeah. That was actually, yeah, that was actually one of my questions. I was really intrigued about the, uh, the expansion of your counselling services. But before we get on to that a little bit more, tell us about those who, listeners who haven't heard about Children in North East, how you came about. I mean, I'm really impressed by this stat that you guys have been around for 125 years. Yes, uh, we started in 1891 wow. Um, wow. with uh, two very entrepreneurial Victorian gentlemen in their 30s, um, mm-hmm. one of whom was reasonably well off and the other one was very, con- uh, very involved with, with poor children mm-hmm. across the city. And they were very concerned about the health mm-hmm. of the children um, and that's how the whole organisation started. Mm-hmm. Um, these days we would say we're about growing up um, and because growing up uh, can be quite hard yeah. uh, for quite a lot of families and quite a lot of children. Mm-hmm. So what we offer is a range of services um, that helps that along. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was just about to say, I think I'm, I'm, I'm 30, I think I've nearly grown up. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, take some, uh, maybe another three years I might need, but we're getting there. Um, uh, but yeah. Do you want clarification? <laughs> is that what you're yeah, yeah, I was seeking some like uh, assurance that I have grown up maybe, yeah. but I don't know, maybe more responsible I'll go that far. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I just touched on these, I'm sure Ricky's got some other stuff to say, but just can you tell us about, because I was intrigued in the break about a couple of projects you told me about, about Dare, a Dare for example, can you tell us what that is? Because it was linked to, yeah, so it was similar to what we just yeah. talked with. Dare stands for uh, Domestic Abuse Recovery Educa- Education. Yes. Um, and it's the course that we run for people who have been affected by domestic mm-hmm. abuse, whether it's uh, women usually and mm-hmm. children, occasionally men and children as well. Yeah. Um, and it's uh, a course that, uh, that we run regularly to help people get back on their feet again after the, mm-hmm. having that dreadful experience and mm-hmm. to be able to get on with life. Yeah. Which, uh, which, which, obviously, as you, as we just said, it it links with uh, it links with the, what we just mm-hmm. talked about earlier, the Maggie and Chelsea. Yeah. Um, so, how long has that been going for? Um, that's been going for a couple of years. Yes. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's a long program that. But we also then have a you know dare to be different course, mm-hmm. which is a. Um, a yeah, carry, don't worry. Carry it, it, it. Yeah, it's, 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 there's been the some leaks. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. We just we've mentioned this before, so it's totally fine. Is there that there's apparently been some sort of leak in the buildings? So I think that's what they're trying to ascertain okay. what's going on. Um, so if you hear anything in the background, I guess it's just because some people sorting things out. Um, but yeah, sorry, carry on. It was said about dare about a couple of years. Been a couple of years. 
Uh, yeah, a yeah. couple of years, yeah. and and we we offer that across Newcastle and Gateshead. Yeah. Which is um, good. It, it is good. It's very mm-hmm. powerful, effective stuff, and mm-hmm. the uh, the people who take part in it often form very strong relationships, which, which can then uh, further support themselves as mm-hmm. they go forward. Brilliant. Um, we also run a program called Caring Dads. Yes, and that's really interesting. That comes from um, a Canada originally, oh, right. um, but uh, it's for it's aimed at men who are worried about their attitude towards um, their partners and their children yes um, and are worried about how tight they get um, how angry they feel Mm -hmm. Um, but it's prior to you know they're worried that if it goes further it might become kind of physical violence yes they want to avoid that so it's really trying to get to the guys before things go seriously wrong Uh, it's a prevention program it's it's not after the event like the dare is it's trying to stop that happening Mm -hmm. in the first place Mm -hmm. Um, again very powerful group work program Um, you get get you know a number of guys together uh, and you're able to create the atmosphere where they can be very honest about their feelings with yeah. each other and talk through what they're, what they're going which through. You can, which, I mean, I know this is an obvious thing to see and I'm sure people listening are, I guess I'm, I'm sort of uh, thinking about what the listener's response would be. Is just, I, I imagine that makes sense for being a guy in the sense of the caring dads implies this sort of thing of the, it's almost as well opening up maybe a bit more yeah. to dads and not be sort of animalistic maybe or, or whatever the right word is because, you, you know. Animalistic, but, but, but yeah. like, yeah. You know what I mean? Is in like I I what I I know that's probably not the right word, but I just mean I just mean being too involved in their emotions a bit too much, maybe you know in a, in a, in, a, in an aggressive sense. And I just think you know caring implies a more sort of compassionate, like maybe dealing with things in a better way. If you get what I'm saying? Yeah, I think it's that conflicting thing. I mean, a lot of those men, um, they're trying to live up to an ideal of what they think yes, that should exactly. be like. Yes. And sometimes that goes back to really unhelpful role models that they've had when they were growing up. Uh, yeah their own fathers yeah, we're talking and about they're trying to get out of that and yeah. into something that they would like to be and don't quote, know quite how to do yes. um, to be you know supportive to their parents to, to their partners um, and, and engage much more with their children mm-hmm. yeah I'm pleased to say that the people behind us have now left <laughs> we are not we are now no longer going to we're not we're not going to die of, we're not going to drown apparently because there's some sort of leak here but why they couldn't have done that in 10 minutes time when we're leaving I don't yeah. really know but um but we're all safe, people. Just let you know. Don't ring. Don't ring any services. We're fine. Um, so, uh, anything you yeah, want to um, I mean, ask? One thing: whenever we have a regional organisation come in and talk, for example, you know, we had domestic abuse before. We there's something about our region which suggests that things are really quite bad at the moment. And I know that in on your website, and I've read everywhere, like poverty levels. We know how much that affects children and families growing up. And this this startling statistic that we have: uh, what was it, 130,000? children poverty in the region what effects of that have you seen on impact of on families particularly kids you know mental health specifically well it, it, it it's two things really i mean firstly from the point of view of the parents it yeah. really increases stress in family life you have if you haven't got enough money to be able to feed yourselves and clothe the family and uh, to be able to heat your home and that kind of thing. Yeah. And you're maybe trying to hold down several different jobs at the same time in order to be able to do that. You see very mm. little of each other. Mm. You get very little time to spend with your children. That's really tough life. Yeah. Really tough. So no wonder you get stress out of that. Mm. And when stress goes on and on and on and you can't see the end of it, that's when it begins to mm. have an effect on kind yeah. of depression, anxiety states mm. and all those kinds of things as well. Mm. So um, from that point of view, it's really serious. 
Um, from the children's point of view, um, one of the things we do, I don't know if I talked about this last time, is that we um, help schools to identify where they're discriminating unintentionally yeah. against children from poorer backgrounds. I think we did, yeah. um, And that's really taken off now. Mm -hmm. um, we've, we've, now we call it poverty-proofing schools, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. um, we've now delivered that in about 80 schools across the region. That's great. Um, and in partnership with um, other uh, organisations outside of the northeast, we're doing that um, in schools in like Brighton and Hove, yes. and North Lincolnshire, and so on as well. Um, so it's it's an, an idea that's really taken off, yeah, um, and can be a very powerful thing for the schools. I've had teachers often say to us, um, you know, it's 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 very different from from an Ofsted inspection or anything else that they yes. experience because it really brings home to them what the school's like from the point of view of the children and the young people in it mm -hmm. um, and you very rarely get that kind of view um, about what it's like for the customers yeah well, well, that's <laughs> really interesting because, yeah. because <laughs> I, I, teachers, mean, teachers yeah. these days are not just teachers in a sense they're kind of front line where yes, they, 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 they now is there, is there some sort of training that goes along with it where they identify when if they spot signs of malnutrition, for example, amongst children. And uh, unfortunately, there isn't. Yeah. No, teacher training programs are all about being able to manage a class yeah. and deliver the curriculum, yeah. um, which might be, sound very surprising. Yeah. But uh, we occasionally are asked to go and do a single mm. session on teacher training courses mm. about the impact of poverty, mm. for example, because it's not included as part of how they train. So if it's not involved in their own training, I guess it's their own gut instinct, what they identify and then yes. go, go and report that's, it. That's yeah. right, that's yeah. right. And you're or abuse, any, like abuse going on at home, for Absol example. Absolutely, absolutely. Like. and you're absolutely right that teachers are now much more frontline mm. than used to be the case because mm. they can't fall back on those other services yeah. in the same sort yeah. of way they used to be. I, I, I've told this story before, but um, the first time I actually acknowledged my mental health was telling my teacher Mm -hmm. um, right. which which is I always say like it, it's nice to hear that teachers are getting help in that sense because yeah. you know there's always this thing of how far can teachers go in terms of helping mm -hmm. you know students and, and people that they're, they're around but I, I, I often say uh, we, we hear this all the time is that it, particularly in the sort of young teenagery years in particular it's that the, they often look up to teachers and if you've yeah. got the right teacher yeah, who yes. inspires you to do things yes. then I don't think there's anything wrong with the idea of uh, being comfortable enough to just like tell them something Absolutely. because I, my teacher did the very responsible thing if she got me help and I went got me a doctor and and um I, it was the first time i ever told the doctor that i was struggling and like um they're effectively mentors as well yes, aren't they? yeah so yeah. i often say that's crucial yeah um because if in my situation where my parents were divorcing and i didn't feel like i could tell them uh -huh. um i told the teacher so yeah. I, I i did the right thing and she reinforced it mm. so i think that's very quite often the case you know when you see cases where where often there's there's a tragedy where you know unfortunately the child for reasons that passed away and then when it's reviewed it's always the case where those signs were spotted but they were never followed through and I just wonder if teachers now have that authority to report now whereas before they might be reluctant to um, yeah, the teachers have always had a duty to mm. report things when, mm. when they're aware of them mm. um, but what's happened is that the so-called threshold mm. um, that the social workers have uh, has gone up 
So you know things have to be more serious before yeah. a social worker yeah. will take an action than used to be the case. Yes, and that's to do with numbers th that they can cope mm. with. Yes, um, mm -hmm. I, I, we, I was just talking about how um, it's been difficult to get my mom help because um, my mom's going through a bad time at the minute, and just the social workers like it. It, it, it is unfortunate that you you hear situations where only when it becomes you know a serious concern is that you actually yeah. get the help you need. But yeah, yeah. I, I try not to be overly critical because yeah. as you say it's more to do with you know budget reasons and not able to you know cope with the demand and as a, as a as a charity working as i said about growing up yes um where we position ourselves is trying to do those sorts of things that prevent things getting worse exactly. in the first place. Yes. Um, so we're very different from the statutory services, the social work services. I well. think that's key though because yeah. um, we, we often say, you know, because all the waiting lists and everything that always gets criticised in mainstream yes. media, um, I think partly the problem is, like you were just saying, is that, that, that not is making a short-term problem not long-term mm -hmm. um, and that's essentially what your charity provides and that's something that I'm pleased to see there's little little pockets that we talk about on this show and that we hear through charity organisations here in the North East that yeah. um, it is happening in, in a small scale but it would be nice that because um, then I think that would stop the weight of things being an ongoing problem because mm -hmm. when we talk about depression if you can stop it at its core root yeah. when you're starting to feel that way yeah. it then leads to it not being a long-term problem like long-term counseling and all that kind of stuff and yeah. um so it's good that you do that um, and okay. pre prevent prevent prevention is a really as yeah. i think it's an underappreciated always thing. better than cure yes exactly because then yeah then you've got a problem haven't you? yeah um so i want to um because we're really pressed for time unfortunately because we've had a very busy show so what i want to ask people is how people you know what stuff you can provide for any listeners uh, who want to you know get any help in this field like where can they go and you know what stuff you provide I guess so people okay. can know well look at our website yes. which is www.children-ne.org.uk great um, and there you'll find out about all the things that we can do mm -hmm. brilliant great that, look how straightforward he was there it's like a bang sorted got that done <laughs> excellent um, usually people like oh my god this 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 just website go and see it done excellent that's excellent um, well huge thank you for coming back on I mean I'm, I, I mean, um, it's pleasure yes it was really fun and um, you know I remember the la I, I remember talking to you last time I can't believe it's been a couple of years which is it, you, you checked this didn't it? you yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah it's nice to get you in the new studio so you're welcome back anytime yeah, it's a nice um, studio yeah <laughs> it, honestly <laughs> From the the yeah. <laughs> yeah, apart from like, you know, we made the joke when they first came in on the first day. If they start drilling or something, that would be the funniest <laughs> thing. And we're just going, like, it's like we're not even here. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so yeah, apologies for all the, the, the yeah, the, the distractions. That was kind of rude, but I mean, they could have just done it when we finished the damn show. But uh, but anyway, but Hughes, thank you for coming on. And uh, and it sounds like everything's going from strength to strength in your yeah. charity and stuff, which, you know, because you just mentioned a few Especially great the counseling, things. I think. Yeah, yeah. It's, that's it's fantastic. That, yeah. Yeah. And the fact you're now doing stuff in Gateshead and stuff, you yeah. just saying is great so I uh, continued good work and um, thank, thank you. you so much for coming um, huge thank you to Jeremy thank you to Maggie and, uh, and to Chelsea and to Laura we've got about 10 minutes so we thought we'd end with mental health news if that's okay I don't know if Kaylee wants to be involved would you like to be? yeah, yeah sure um, so do you mind um, thanks Jeremy and uh, safe trip and whatnot. 
because um, yeah it was so nice of them to come all the way from uh, the, to the he's coming from London just straight wandered in um, so that's kind of nice um, so yeah obviously as uh, as we just sort of setting up and we'll do 10 minutes of um, of mental health news um, it's just obviously to do the disclaimers of you know obviously we've been talking about stuff that's really difficult so obviously if please do we do encourage you to use the services of all the guests that we've just described if you're feeling symptoms like you have um, you know so obviously if it's children related uh, you know that's why Jeremy's on and obviously if it's something to do with domestic abuse please go to Maggie and Chelsea's stuff so okay if you want to sit down feel free um, because yeah it'd be nice to introduce you for the last 10 minutes or so um, bumper 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 show yeah it's flew by hasn't it like, yeah. I, just, I feel like I haven't had a chance to breathe I'm like now and relax <laughs> I'm particularly pleased like because January show we only had the one guest we had a couple of cancellations so I think it was important that we bounce back with a yeah. bumper yeah, we, we had the time to talk. Yeah, can we get? Can I get you to just move your mic a bit closer? That'd be awesome. Um, right, yeah, because um, yeah, no, it's it's cool, and I mean, mental health news is cool, and I'd like to do it. Uh, you know, if 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 there's, if there's the way around it, but if guests can only do a certain time, what what can we do? Mm-hmm. Um, the guests are always important because they're giving us their time at the end of the day, and even if they're plugging stuff, it's like you know, it makes the show more interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, because me and you can talk till the till forever um, but it's nice to have another person's opinion so yeah uh, I wanted to just like because we're going to do mental health news we'll do the quick version so we've got about 10 minutes and um, we can go a little bit over because I know they twice don't mind but um, I wanted to introduce Kaylee. so hi Kaylee. hello um, because uh, Kaylee is um, you know I'll describe a little bit and then obviously you can talk but um, yeah so we met Kaylee through um, Launchpad uh, which is Alistair's uh, organisation that helps run this radio station. Uh, it's a recovery college. Uh, um, I think they've moved now, haven't they? Because I've never been. Are they moved from Broad- Broadacre? Yeah. Not necessarily Broadacre, but um, I think they're having to move at some point. But I think they found new accommodation now. But that's not till like the end of the year. Yeah. Oh right, because I thought I, I do know that they were like sort of struggling at the end of last year, weren't they? They were yeah, talking about they were moving. Yeah, they trying to find new accommodation, but I think um, they've kept it on for a bit longer now, so they're still going to be at Broadacre. All right, that's okay. cool. Um, yeah. So anyway, so yeah, we, uh, we've been. We're now in their brochure. Um, which is nice and the idea is to encourage people from that recovery college and beyond if people are interested so we'll say this now on the air actually for anyone listening if there's anyone in the northeast area in particular that wants to be involved in mentally found uh, do contact us through the usual uh, forum because something that's worth contributing yes um, because we do encourage contributing and Kaylee wanted to be involved and so she's been helping behind the scenes which is excellent because I'm stuck in this seat so it's nice that I don't have to uh, get up and take care of the guests and whatnot. So, because um, uh, uh, Kaylee actually um, sat down and observed the last show, uh, last month's show. So what do you think? Like, I mean, now, I'm not putting you on the spot here. And go, now is where you say that we're amazing. Be brutal, be honest. <laughs> yeah. It would be great if you just sat down and go, well, I think this is terrible. Uh, I don't think this is good at all. But yeah, well, I'm just curious about your general view. Because um, I know you said that you expected something and then it became, you know, so what do you... Yeah, what I, was think, your um, I think... Something that was like surprising but really good for me was that I think because obviously me personally I've got my own experience with you know like in mental health and obviously you know, I'm doing a placement with the uni and you know I want to go into work in psychology after this but I think it was just nice to know that it's kind of breaking down the stigma of talking about it yes. which I think is what I think is really great obviously what you're doing and what the recovery college do and I was kind of sub- like surprised but in a good way that we kind of just talk about it and mm. you're not afraid to talk about your own experiences mm. and obviously you get guests on and everyone's really open and I think that's something that we need to do to move forward mm-hmm. with the whole stigma of mental health is that we need to break it down by actually talking about it mm-hmm. and I think that's something that we don't do enough is you know be open to talk about it so, so. so you're a fan I am a fan <laughs> we have a fan we have one fan <laughs> yay um, but what's kind of cool um, it, it's nice for you to say that and I, what I've noticed because obviously I was here since the beginning 
and like when we first started doing this project because it was essentially a community project way back when was the thing that was I really like seeing because this was a problem to begin with because it always is when you're trying to break down barriers is you get people who go I'm not sure I want to talk about that and that never happens now which is so refreshing yeah. because they come on and go as you, I, like I always ask them out of politeness during the breaks is there anything I can't bring up yeah. and they always just go well whatever I'm here to talk about you know what job I'm doing and yeah. it does flummox them when I ask them personal stuff I, I gathered from talking to Chelsea that she seemed a bit shy and not wanting to talk about personal I stuff but like it's totally good um, change doesn't it you know yeah. like people want to talk about it more and that's like yeah. before I went to the recovery college like placement uh-huh. I mm. had that same sort of feeling I think that like I didn't want to sort of be open about it mm. and I felt that I couldn't talk about it and you know because like mm. experiences and obviously I felt that you know when I have different people yes. I feel more mm. comfortable to talk about it with different people mm-hmm. and I think it's because obviously we all sort of share experiences mm. and it's when you get with people that you can talk to then yeah you know, you feel like you can be more honest. It's kind of nice as well because obviously you came involved. You you you've been involved in the. You know, we've had some quite nice conversations off air, and it's kind of nice because I, I I think like you know because as you were saying, it 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 shouldn't be, um, it shouldn't be just something that is the right like. Because I've, I've heard this quite often, I don't know if you've had this experience, but you know when people go, it, the, the, there's a right situation for bringing up mental health, and I mean, and, yeah. I, and part of me goes, wouldn't it be lovely if like you said that something's wrong and it wasn't? Because in a way, I think that reinforces the discrimination, because it's like, yeah, it does, it, yeah. the, I, I'll deal with it when I feel like t- dealing with it, and it's like, that's not how mental health works. Mm-hmm. Um, so has that been your experience in your, yeah, I think so, your actually, life? Um, I think especially because of, obviously, I'm in university, and obviously like, you know, going into university was a big change and, you know, you meet a lot of new people and I felt like obviously being in uni you kind of want to, you know, meet new people and stuff and it's like one of those times where I felt that obviously my depression and problems that I had with that were obviously, you know, manifesting themselves a lot more when I was in university because it's like you've got a lot more social aspects, you've got, you know, the aspect of so much work you want to do and you feel like you've got expectations for yourself and I kind of just feel like it's, and I think it's, it's been nice to like go on like a journey of meeting other people that you can talk to as well. Yeah. It's so, like what mm-hmm. we do at the radio show and also with the recovery college. Like I've never seen anywhere where it was so inclusive. And I think that, you know, obviously providing inclusive environments is what we need more often. Yeah, inclusive, not exclusive. Yeah, it's yeah. like it should be yeah. a place where obviously you can you can talk about it. It's just like yeah. It shouldn't be a, like a case of we only talk about mental health at certain times and, you know, we can't talk about it now, we talk about it later. But it's like mm-hmm. if you feel bad now, you should be able to talk about it now. Yeah, the university was one of my testing times in terms yeah. of my own mental health and yeah. I couldn't talk to anyone. Um, I think I mentioned to you before through our own conversations that when you're, when you're, a, des- when you're a design student, art student, you have to go through something called crits, which is like a <coughs> short for criteria. Mm-hmm. So you basically defend your work in front of e- other people. Yeah. So I'd, I'd literally, I'd be like standing by the door side, just having full-blown panic attacks because mm-hmm. I couldn't sort of, you know, talk and I was like gasping oh. for air and stuff. Yeah, you know, I've got to say like, and I was saying this, I've said, I thought, <coughs> I mean, I've, I've told you this privately before, but you're such a good interviewer. Like you've really Me? gotten good, yeah. All right. I had a lot of com- I had a lot of just because it's nice just to sit and observe because I often felt I did a little too much when we first started, yeah. but it's nice to like sit here and I can work on the computer and sort of figure out the next song and whatnot and just here you go when I, I was in my head I'm going great question great question like and what's nice is that you actually like you know it, it, I guess without blowing my own trumpet but it's like a little bit of my techniques rubbed off on you because you actually like because you actually like it, it's went from 
you having questions as a backup to mm. you are, you do do the listen and respond aspect of it because you went oh well, that's that and then you've answered a question in relation to what they've just said so it has a nice flow to it I was going to tell you this when we ended but, like, but I, I owe yeah. that to you as well because yeah. you know you know yourself how, how nervous I was in the very beginning and I didn't mm-hmm. think I would get where I was today until you mm-hmm. thought that then no no it's cool it's been but a cool journey yeah no but I, yeah it's really nice to have that like sort of rapport going I can just leave all alone and like I can just let it I can listen to things because it's good like I mean because a lot of our guests just talked mm. today which is great you know it's lovely as you, you you said this during the break I think wasn't it the passion yeah, so you can tell because like, yeah. they're also passionate about what they do and like, you know what they're involved with and yeah. I think like, that's what I love about it is that it just sounds so much more conversational and it's like it's natural you know mm-hmm. so anyway I mean we've got like next to no time to do mental health news but was there any headline that caught your eye and then we can maybe do well, I've got three time. or four here but I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll do them in, in, in rank order which I think the most yeah positive. if you could just do what you were going to say and we can make a comment yeah. this is my favourite story do you know okay. the world's first mental health a- ambulance has <laughs> yeah really and it's happened Kinda in Sweden cool. um, so this is uh, deployed by Stockholm Psychiatric Emergency Response Team or PAM for short um, and yeah this is the world's first mental health ambulance and what they've ha- what's, happened, what's happened in the year that they've been going for uh, they've had 135 responses um uh, in that year, uh, sorry, 135 per month. But in the year where they've had like a thousand uh, responses, only a quarter of them have had to go through to long-term inpatient care. So think about it. You know, we would use the word prevention before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they've actually kind of like you know managed the service in the sense that people services that were inpatient care hasn't been stretched because they've had to. They're an intervening um, service, and I thought, wow. That's a really good idea, I think. Yeah. yeah. You're tackling the problem when it's happening in the now. Yes. And it's like you're preventing people from going and having a you know, long-term stay. And, like, I mean, I think when I've looked into, like, research with unions and stuff, like, with people that go into, like, you know, the long-term care, it's like it takes so long in the first month or so to even get, mm. like, an initial assessment done. Mm. That then you're there longer than you might even have to be. Yeah, it's just all assessments. Yeah, that's the word that I yeah. just detest. Like, because yeah. um, in my mom's situation, as I'll give the brief version, is that the reason that like thank God that you know we, we were able to like be around my mom and like mm. support her through depression because like she is part of a mental health team, but they just take so long to make a decision. Like mm. they always go, well, we'll assess this, we'll reassess it next week, we'll reassess it in two weeks' time. Like my mom's been part of a mental health team for about the begin since the beginning of January I'd say and it's only now that they go and well the doctor will visit her in next week and I'm like it's four or five weeks for a depressed person seems like an eternity yeah, and like it, and, and thank god like we've been able to like because it could have went easily the other way like you know because my mom still has bad days but it's a lot better than it was when it first started and so that's an example of what yeah, you're talking so about like, I, um, like I've obviously had like some uh, ups and downs with like depression whatever and like last year, I went to the GP again about it. I went to GP up here because obviously I was going to my GP in my hometown before. Yes. And I went to them and then obviously I said, you know, I've had these issues going on for a while. And they said, well, we'll try and refer you to counselling. And then obviously, so I had to contact them and I said, you know, we went through the brief, you know, summary of the problem. And they said, well, it'll be 10 to 12 months. So. Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah, but I said, yeah, but I feel bad now. You know, like, what do I do now? So I feel bad now. And they said, well... We don't really know what to suggest, you know, for immediate stuff. You know, go onto sites and do this and do See, that. See, my, my situation is not too dissimilar because there was a time when I was getting regular counselling mm-hmm. and my counsellor said to me in sort of like, you know, in almost a subliminal way that, you know, you, you're doing quite well. Where I don't think, I didn't think I necessarily was, but he was saying that he's trying to imply that there are other people who are in more need of the service than, than you are. So he's kind of saying that let's try and knock this on the head now and allow other people. 
Whereas I think for regular counselling for a person can be vital for their their you know well-being in, in a long term. You yeah, know, it's just like prevention, isn't it? It's like because mm. obviously you know, they ask, they ask, they always ask the question of you know, do you feel you know how how dramatic do you feel? Mm. Like, do you feel suicidal now? So I voluntarily just sort of like yeah. okay said okay and sort of like you know yeah because mm. you might not feel you know like down as dramatic. You might not feel as you know suicidal now, or you might not feel you know at your worst now, but. Mm. Yeah, ten to twelve months is a long time. I don't know how I'm going to feel next month, or you know, four months, six months. You know. And so we I'm mentioned the word rapport before, and, and I felt I had a really good rapport with my counsellor, and, and suddenly have that cut off mm. means that you know that kind of regular conversation where you kind of look forward to, relied on, or needed is now cut off. You know. Yeah. Stop yeah, talking. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's why I think I think the key word out of all the stuff is a nice way to end because I, I I said we'll be a bit five minutes over, but I don't. I mean, I don't think Spice will care because we're giving them content because I, I don't think there's anyone on after us. Um, you know, because remember that thing where we were trying to organise last Thursday and like even though it was a a boot clash, they were like, "You'll have two hours if you want. How about three hours?" Uh-huh. Or like, just like you know, we we'll could do a twelve-hour block if you want. Like, I'm like, this is a bit wrong. I don't want to do twelve hours. But, um, but yeah, so um, I, you know, Spice have been unbelievably accommodating to us. Yeah. So um, you know, I'm sure they don't mind uh, as long as I make sure I play ads when we leave. But um, but I think a nice summary is to say because I know we haven't done mental health news but as I said uh, we prioritise the guests that come because obviously yeah. they give us our time and whatnot. and it was nice to get a chance I'll carry you the stories to the next yes, time yes if you could, yeah maybe if we can dedicate some quality time to it mm-hmm. next time um, but yeah um, it was just nice to get Katie to talk on the air because as I said it hopefully if there's something you want to do it's nice for the audience to hear who you are and, and uh, if you've got any good ideas um, yeah then yes, I'm just excited to get involved because it's yeah. I mean, it's just love to get involved in like <laughs> The whole thing of talking about it. You know this. You know, I just realised this feels like it feels like we're doing Jerry Springer, and it's Kaylee's final thought. <laughs> <laughs> and now, for come Kaylee's on, Kaylee, final put thought. the world to rights. Yeah. yeah, you know. And then the bit where, because that that was so weird and not sure, wasn't it? Like it was all like everyone screaming at each other, and now for Jeremy's final thought. Mm-hmm. And I just loved how he always just like very calmly walked over to a chair and went. You know, sometimes in life, <laughs> like that, that, yeah. that voice, like I'll find no. something philosophical for next. Yeah, time. yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. He did that on the I got news for you when he when he gets presented. He yeah. did like a final. Thing at the end of that, yeah. I think I might have saw that. It was funny. Um, it was that the one where he tore up the cards because he kept like getting the cards wrong and Paul Merton went, "Who needs did, them? Yeah. Who yeah. needs <laughs> them?" And he goes, he just goes like, "Just get rid of it. No one will care." Just and he went, it, "Who yeah. cares about the producers?" Yeah, That's what Paul Merton said. And he just started ripping up the cut cue cards. And mm-hmm. I was like, "I'm sure there'll be someone in the back going like get very." Yeah, it's a really good podcast by the Jerry Springer. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I thought he was he was interesting. I always thought he was more interesting than the show was. I think the show is very nineties. Yes. sort of outdated. I can't watch it. Now. That and Ricky Lake. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of 90s stuff that's dated. Yeah, I've seen some stuff recently. But anyway, um, that pretty much wraps up this edition of Mentally Sound. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, obviously, you can listen to the podcast version of this when it comes out, and uh, we'll put the last two up because I realised I haven't done that yet. So yeah, so what I mean is, is we'll do we'll put the special up that we did last Thursday, and we'll do last month's uh, edition will be up as well. So if you type in Mentally Sound on iTunes, that's currently the only place you can hear every episode. So if you subscribe to us, I think the limit in podcasts is like 400 episodes before they start taking it off so um, oh, we've got Christmas plenty of time thousands yeah. didn't it yes oh no I meant like um, the list you know like um, there's a limit to how much podcasting you can put on a list oh, on see, iTunes yeah, yeah. which is dumb because iTunes don't host anything right. so all they're doing is listing shows and you click and download so it's very dumb that they, they have a limit but uh, what are you going to do mm-hmm. I only heard about this because I listen to podcasts that have got like hundreds and hundreds of episodes and I heard an episode where they said after 400 or something that mm-hmm. iTunes start taking them off like the first one starts going off and mm-hmm. then they start 
um, like more recent ones mm-hmm. very weird anyway <laughs> uh, so yeah so if you type in iTunes Mentally Sound you'll get all the episodes we've ever done from our old show and obviously Spice FM we've been here since yeah they're also on uh, Mentally Sound's Facebook and uh, yes yeah, we obviously uh, yeah, well, yeah. we tweet them and whatnot, mm-hmm. so you can look at them there. So excellent, huge thank you to Ricky as always, my thank my, you, my fantastic co-host. Um, thank you, Kaylee. Um, thank you to everyone who's been on the show, to Maggie uh, and Chelsea from Northumberland Domestic Abuse, uh, to Jeremy from Children's uh, Northeast who was on here. Thank you, thank you for him for coming all the way <laughs> from London. I mean, he came back from London, which is why he said. So it sounds like he lives in London. And he came here, but he came back from London. Nice if someone actually from yeah. London came, especially. For but it's still nice. Yeah. It's still nice though. <laughs> And, uh, and obviously a huge thank you to Laura, a friend of the show, who's been on a few times yeah. for a very interesting interview. Yeah, I thought that was very widespread in nature. Get out more people. That's what <laughs> exactly. we should say. Get out more people. Enjoy that. Well, not in this weather. <laughs> <laughs> we hope we have brightened your day. Yeah. <laughs> I can't bright. confirm there is. I do see sunshine. So. <laughs> It's like Ricky's like out on the field. Yeah. Uh, I'm now here, Stephen, <laughs> uh, in the field, and I can confirm that there is some sun. Thanks, Ricky. <laughs> Back to you. <laughs> Back to you. <laughs> oh, anyway, sorry, I'm gonna start giggling. Right, huge thank you to everybody. Mentally sound on the tweets. So at underscore mentally sound on Twitter. I'm at geek underscore apocalypse. Ricky is at vivid Ricky. Um, obviously, uh, and also Laura was on uh, Geek Apocalypse talking more about her personal stuff a while ago. So if you type in Geek Apocalypse, which is my podcast that Ricky's on quite often. Um, you can listen to uh, that episode and a bunch of others so um, if you can't get enough of me which probably is true uh, but yes you can you can find loads of uh, episodes on there um, anyway huge thank you to everybody thank you to Spice thank you to everybody I'm going to play Your Mama Don't Dance by Poison which is a great song um, I just typed in dance and that was the first that was the only dance song I thought it was going to be a load of dance music or something I was thinking I'm in the dance mood but, but I came out with a heavy metal song right. but uh, anyway which is typical me uh, huge thank you to everybody who's been listening uh, I just realised I need to can I just say a big thanks to listeners who've been giving us really good feedback yes um, I, I heard them as well yeah, yeah I heard that we got a lot of nice yeah. feedback but yeah. Christmas one obviously was yeah. really good the last one that, that we one put on the podcast yeah, yeah. Mm. so obviously yeah um, obviously li- yeah listen to the podcast that come out this one will be a little bit time because Spice repeat this yeah. on the air so um, yeah so huge thank you to everybody uh, you've been listening to Mentally Sound we'll be back um, second Friday 12 till 2pm so next month join us then uh, and have a good week everybody bye sick of the same old radio sound <sighs> then you need vibrant radio spice up your life spice FM 98.8 FM do you have a safe deposit box? If not, why not? To keep your gold jewellery, cash or gold bullion completely secure, rent your own safe deposit locker at Newcastle Vaults. We rent lockers from less than £3 a week 